0: This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog, And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're up to hijinks and no good, looking for a lottery ticket, all while watching spine mm. number 72 in the Criterion Collection, Rene Clair's Lemillion from 1931. But first, as always, RJ, how you doing this week?
1: I'm okay, man. And that's the show. Well
0: yeah I'm doing good good <laughs> uh
1: no I'm all right uh tired out from the week we've had an exhausting week you know there's f- fires to the south east and west of us and
2: mm-hmm. everyone's
1: towns are getting evacuated and it's getting
0: closer and closer every day uh yeah but like not in any real sense that we're in Actual well, danger, but it's more the communities nearby that mm-hmm. it's like that stinks. So yeah. for people who aren't familiar with our geographical location, uh, as RJ mentioned, just southwest of us uh, is the the lovely little Waterton National Park, um, mm-hmm. and uh, there's been all these massive forest fires uh, in the kind of in the Rockies. And uh, yep. apparently, it's gotten so bad where it's so it's been so dry and so hot, RJ, that mm-hmm. that that fire, uh, those wildfires, have crept up right up past Waterton and out past the mountains into the grasslands, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, also starts on fire. And it's like you know, so we have like massive—I don't know how many was it was—it hundred is was it a hundred hectares or some junk, something like that. I don't know. Big, big old fires. And yeah. uh, we've been getting the receipt for that, which comes in the form of smoke, perpetual mm. smoke, like days mm-hmm. and days of smoke and ash falling from the sky. So you wake up in the morning, <laughs> get out to your car, and it just has ash all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, everything just smells like campfire, like 24-7. It gets real yeah. old, real fast. And it's been like that for a few weeks. Uh, it's gotten particularly bad uh, the last couple uh, weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, now it seems like the, we're kind of maybe at the end of the – we're over the hump. We're, we're coming out maybe. the other side. Maybe. Even though, like, the fires are closer now than ever, it's actually mm-hmm. been clearer the last couple of days. I don't know how that works. Um Wind. Yeah, I guess the wind just changed direction, which means it's made yeah. it cooler here. Because actually, uh, I, I do believe we've now set the record. Uh, for, uh, since we've been like, since the big science has been keeping track mm-hmm. of uh, the temperatures, this it has been the hottest summer uh, on record. Mm -hmm. with most days above 30 degrees celsius so that's been great um really have appreciated that um i've been very much enjoying today though where it's been like what a high of 14 and like overcast all day and apparently it's just like rain like which is gonna be the first time it's actually rained for any sustained amount of time for over like i don't know months
1: (laughs) uh yeah so I, uh, since I'm hang dogging with uh, the farmers that actually keep track of this, yep. the last real rain we had like anywhere even close was early in June Yeah. and it was like, there was like one day of a big rain, but before that even it yeah. was like a couple weeks to a month. So there's, there hasn't been any rain for like three, four months and astute listeners can listen back and we've talked about the heat and trying to beat the heat. So
2: mm-hmm. someone could
1: have pieced that together, say, yeah. look. They were talking about it, and then mm-hmm. it happened. Yeah. All that
0: talk about sweating her balls off. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah, it's there's all that going on, but today was cold, and it feels good, man. Yeah. It feels nice to put on sweatpants again for the first time in six months.
0: Yeah, it's even a little chilly here in the, the, the studio slash kitchen. The, the studio? <laughs> the alley behind
1: Pizza Hut? Yeah.
0: Oh, that's, that's, a, that's a throwback to the old days. Yeah, that's a deep
1: cut, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't talk about Pizza Hut anymore. I should. No,
0: you phased it out. They,
1: <laughs> well, they uh, they they sent me some some goods, and then I was like, I did it, and then yeah. I stopped. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll I'll make that I'll make that bridge again.
0: But oh, uh, yeah. yeah, outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, well, RJ, since you asked, uh, my week's been fine. Otherwise, I don't care. <laughs> I know. I've never cared. <laughs> no, it's been fine. It's actually been busy at work. It's a it's a rare novelty. <laughs>
1: Does that usually come in the fall, or is this uh, even out of the ordinary for the regular fall for you?
0: Uh, it's been busier than previous years, but it's just, like, stuff catching up to me. Um, you know, mm. it's like that weird thing of, like, realizing at some point on Wednesday, oh, yeah, I have a podcast to record <laughs> tonight. Yeah. That, that kind of thing. So This stuff doesn't actually get recorded, does it?
1: Uh No. <laughs> I, my, my mic is plugged into a tomato. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> uh, nice. Nice.
0: Anyway, hey, RJ. We Yo. got reader email. Whoa. Yes. What kind of reader email? Well, Good RJ. Good ones? Uh, we have uh, from a, I think, a first-time writer. First time, long time? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they don't say, but it's from one Ryan Nagel. Uh I believe it's pronounced Nagel. No, I think Nagel. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go Nagel, na- Nagel cuz I've never uh, heard of a a Nigel. So That's I, not what I said either. No 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 uh, no no. No, I'm just I, like you know, one says Nigel. So
1: Uh I think you're alienating fans with your <laughs> with your mispronunciation. Didn't someone write in about that once? Whatever you say
0: ballage. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. What's what's happening? All right. It. So this guy here. Yeah. Creeps. I understand you guys are big Stevie K fans, RJ. Ooh, 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 girl. But with the release of It coming out, it got me thinking, how much money do IP owners make on movies? Is it all a flat amount to use the IP? Is it percent based on box office sales? I'm sure all this varies, of course, in each example, but I have no idea how that would work. I thought it may be an interesting talking point, at least. Mm, interesting indeed. Do you have any comments, Jarrett? Um, so whenever I read like the, the initials IP, I like yeah. I cringe so, so hard. It's Why? Um, I don't know. Because you're a little kid and you think about peeing freely? Uh, it just, it, it's, it reeks of like weird industry talk. <laughs> and it's well, like. Maybe he's in industry. M- maybe he is. I don't know this yeah. guy. Uh, maybe he is. He's on the inside. No, it's just like, a, I saw some like, Actual like conversation about uh it uh on mm-hmm. Facebook it's by some like. Some kids I know and there somebody was in there talking about intellectual properties and developing IPs. And I'm just like, fuck, mm-hmm. why when did we all become like investors in fucking Hollywood movies and like talking like we're in the industry? It's like, wow, gross. So well, it, it always just makes me just go, Ugh. like and it, it makes me question everything.
1: Um well m- maybe if you thought like we were if you handled the show like we were in industry, maybe we would have more fans. That's possible. Um, so, uh, so back,
0: back to, uh, yeah. the questions at hand, how much money yeah. do IP owners, I guess in this case, how much does Stevie K make on a, on a movie like it that made like yeah. all the money this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, sending all kinds of records in case you haven't heard folks. Right. Um, yeah, I, I bet you he makes a lot of money. Um, and then, actually as we were, uh, waiting in line to go see this very movie, uh, mm-hmm. we were talking about how much, uh, Steven's going to make this weekend. But Mm -hmm. I imagine he makes like probably a flat fee off of like selling the rights again to the studio that does it. And then he probably makes, I don't know if he makes points. It all depends on the contracts. I mean, everybody's uh, trying to be Robert Downey Jr. these days. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you happen to, well, I guess we'll be talking about it soon enough, but uh, uh, did you happen to see what the actual budget for it was?
1: Uh, it wasn't that much. Like, no. I'm pretty sure they. Yeah, it was pretty low, wasn't it's it? Like 50 million. Not or something, even. Or
0: less. It's like 35 million. But I mean, on the other yeah. hand, I'm a, I'm thinking that they probably spent a lot of money on marketing. Uh, I, I feel like they yeah. they might have probably spent like, at least, probably that much alone in marketing mm. potentially. Yeah. Like so they, say, they they say definitely did spend because there's always yeah. that uh that shorthand of like well they spend half I'm like well I bet you they spent yeah. more than half on this um but mm-hmm. yeah and it's paid off uh, it kind of caught all these magical factors all at once and anyway uh yeah. I assume that like probably <clears> where <throat> Stevens gonna make all his money is gonna be on the uh the bookend when everybody decides to right. go and buy a copy of it again uh, mm-hmm. and he's gonna make a ton of money on that because that's what happened for uh old Alan Moore. Yeah, and what got him in trouble back with uh, Watchmen is because he like he didn't want any of the movie money, um, mm-hmm. but then he got all the money off of the graphic novel sales, which he then kept because it's sales of the book, which he actually mm-hmm. has some stake in. But then he didn't like claim it all properly tax wise. But that's when that's because that's mm-hmm. Alan Moore doesn't understand business, and I'm pretty sure Stephen King does, uh, or he has people that are there to take care of his business because he's a value. Yeah. He's a valuable man.
1: Yeah. Uh, so i think the way the way i understand it is like when when you're an author like that when you first sell your book to like a like a publishing company usually in the contract there's some kind of clause there like about um like uh rights to the properties outside of the book itself like there might be a clause where it's like if this is ever adapted into film or television or like whatever uh like i think some because i have heard stories about like independent writers who get like totally fucked on that because they like don't realize it's in the contract and they have bad agents and then they don't make a single cent out of like any movies or anything like that but i mean big steve's been doing this for a long fucking time Mm -hmm. like oh like almost 40 years and uh it came out Like he was already a really well-established popular author. So I imagine at the time that it came out like as a book, uh, whatever deal he struck with them was he probably had a pretty good uh, chunk of whatever future profits could be had from it. Like whether it's uh, like product like merchandise or any kind of adaptation, I I would imagine he probably had a a pretty good bit. Like I don't know what that would even be like. Say the author, maybe he would get like – Let's just say like five percent, like say say a movie company, like, <laughs> not, not like, that you know? much, but uh, yeah, I, I I get kind of what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I'm just using an example. Sure. Say, say that he would get like five percent of like any like kind of movie profit or something mm-hmm. like that. Five percent of two hundred million is a lot of fucking money.
0: There's like oh, there's like so, such weird things though too with like the way deals are written because there's like if you have a good agent, which I'm assuming he does, and he probably like. He probably, a lot of his stuff goes through the publishers, too. Because I remember, like, uh, actually, in Stephen King's own writing, he talks about... uh, with Carrie, like talking about like how initially there's like, you, it's interesting hearing about how that book deal went. Cause it's like the first yeah. 5,000 copies, like the actual book itself, but then they also control your movie rights after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I imagine it, I'm not sure because at some point he changed publishers too. And I'm sure all those yep. things got renegotiated and uh, it's mm-hmm. a far cry from that. But like, there's the whole game of like, you hear about movies that are like huge successes, but then they're like movies, they're like huge successes that lost money because they use mm-hmm. Hollywood math to like hide that the numbers and then they right. don't have to pay anybody off. And so mm-hmm. there's like if you get paid on when this movie makes a profit, you'll get paid, but then you never make see a sense yeah. because they use all sorts of accounting to hide that. Um anyway, yeah, what, yeah. It's I don't know. It's a I'm sure it's a maze of like and there's probably people who really know what they're talking about who follow this mm-hmm. stuff who are very invested in intellectual properties. <laughs> well maybe one of them will write in maybe they but, will no, it's
1: it, it's a good question though because it's like what you said when we were standing in line for this fucking movie we even like we were talking about this same thing it was like yeah. Jesus Stephen King's gonna make a lot of money in the next couple months because like Dark Tower didn't do well so he probably won't make a lot but he has Mr. Mercedes out right now too well, which no. I'm sure he's getting a piece of Well, yeah, the, the mist
0: just came out and the mist and, uh, and then
1: this well, and then uh, Gerald's game too Gerald's game in yeah. the, the month yeah. So it, he's it, making a pretty clean
0: fucking sweep. It's really been the year of King.
1: And even if like, say, say he had like something like 1% of uh profit off of these properties or something like that. It's like what you said, more than anything, it just promotes book sales, yep. which he it's like, oh, like gonna get a fat check out of mm-hmm. all of this stuff. Because if you've even been anywhere like near a bookstore in the last three months like there's been stephen king full sections like at the front of chapters for like two months i think and it's still there now yeah so like e- everyone is promoting the fuck out of stephen king and i'm sure he's selling a lot of a lot of books so let's say he he made a lot of money <laughs> yeah he made a lot of money <laughs> on top of the millions upon millions he already owns uh
0: yep so yeah. right now, when you search Stephen King at Amazon.ca, the first thing that pops up is "It," a novel, bestseller. Uh, it's in stock uh, from, mm-hmm. but yeah, from some other guys. Not from Amazon. It's it'll be covered by Amazon, I think, for shipping. Gotcha. But I'm sure that they're at, they are probably out of stock right now um, mm-hmm. because I imagine they've sold a lot of copies in just recently for whatever reason.
1: Oh, I bet, baby.
0: Yeah. Anyway, but of course, it's always funny with books. It's like, yeah, book sales are great, but it's like we don't—you never know what how many people actually ever read these books. Well, that doesn't matter. If you buy it, you buy it. You right? bought it, yeah, ex- exactly yeah. right. But with movies, it's like no one's really buying movie tickets and then not going into mm-hmm. like any great number. You're, so you actually get a real reflection of people's reactions. Right. Um, anyway, thanks for the question, right. Ryan Nagel. Uh,
1: you're alienating our fan This is why people don't email in, because you make fun of them and you mispronounce their names. You jerk. You jerk. <laughs> you jerk. Well, uh, uh, yeah. Thanks for the email. Hopefully, maybe someone else will email in one day. Yeah,
0: someone else. Yeah. Uh or, or anyway, him. hey R.J. Yeah. Yo. Uh, speaking of Stephen King, what you been yo, creeping yo. on this week? Ooh, girl,
1: I watched me a ton of stuff. I watched like a hundred movies since we last. Yeah, I know this is uh, kind of weird. Well, you were, you were giving me such a hard time for like two, the two weeks where I didn't watch creeps, which by the way, in one of those
0: weeks we had a fucking trilogy of movies to watch. Oh, it's been a while. It's been a while since you've uh, watched this number of movies in one week. Yeah, it's it's been a little while. But anyways,
1: yeah, I watched a lot of movies this week, baby. OK, um, first off, because I'm not really going to talk about them that much. But me and Andrea have been uh, doing some deep dives and in, back into the world of Wes Anderson.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, as these are all criterions, we'll, we'll talk about them at length uh, someday when, when, we, when we get to them. But we uh, we did some of the big hitters. We watched uh, that Royal Tenenbaums and the Life Aquatic uh my two favorites of his uh they're both super good i love them i've seen them a lot i'm yep. gonna watch them some more nice. they're the best who doesn't like those and then uh me and her both watched a uh, bottle rocket because she had never seen it mm-hmm. and i had but it was a really long time ago i i honestly i didn't really remember it that much right uh and i, I just remember when you were talking about when you went through his stuff a while ago about yep. uh how it's it's very much a first movie of his. Yeah. And that Andrea kind of said something similar. She's like, this doesn't really feel like a Wes Anderson movie. It's like it doesn't really have a lot of the style that he he even in like Rushmore, like his second one, like yeah it's very clear. It's like, oh yeah, this is Wes Anderson. Like he kind of does, but um he's not uh as expressive with it, I guess, as he becomes.
0: But, yeah, uh, yeah, the formula the formalism hasn't kicked in at all in Bottle Rocket. Yeah. Like there's <laughs> like bits and drabs of it, but it's also because he's limited by mm, mm-hmm. inexperience in and like just not having the resources to pull off what he wanted exactly. Because like every yeah. movie he gets closer and closer to what he wants. And I think yeah. even like Royal Tenenbaums is like quite a like jump. And then like Life Aquatic, <laughs> he's like almost like got it completely figured out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: So uh yeah, man. I love Wes Anderson. Everybody does, especially Criterion, because I think he's probably the only exclusive director who is, like, everything he's ever made is just in there. Yeah. There might be, like, I don't know. Is there anyone who comes close to that? Maybe some weird French guy that's in, like, the Eclipse series or something.
0: No. I mean, there's, like, guys that, like, there's, like, only Criterion has put their stuff out, but I think, yeah, other than... uh grand budapest hotel i think everything i mean that's just a matter of time but everything, it will er, er, everything yeah. is yeah no he is i pretty sure and, and contemporary too like mm-hmm. yeah he's like uh, he's unique and i'm sure that adds to people who like uh, they have to tell you how much they hate wes anderson
1: <laughs> yeah but those
0: people stink those are the same people who
1: hate stephen king and and christopher mm-hmm. nolan they hate them because they ain't them they're like you know what they're, i mean they're
0: like one another they're not the same yeah. people though <laughs>
1: they're yeah no they're like one another yeah so, yeah, I watched those and they're great. Everyone thinks so.
0: Except for Bottle Rocket. That movie's just OK.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, it's probably the. it's definitely his weakest movie, yep. but it's it's not bad or anything yep. like that either. So mm-hmm. all good things. And then so we followed that up. We watched a uh, contemporary, as you put it, a modern comedy from this very year. Wow. This movie, I don't know if you know about this, but this movie made quite a splash. Oh, I heard. So uh, me and Andrea watched The Big Sick, yep. which is the uh, retelling of Kumal Nyanjani, uh, his like actual real life and how he met his wife Emily Gordon or Emily Gardner. All right. I thought it was Gordon. doesn't matter. You're Anyways. giving
0: me shit about butchering people's last names. holy.
1: Yeah, fuck. well, you yeah, well, you're not me. <laughs> friend. So <laughs> this movie got like a, a big splash because it's like kind of a biopic, I guess. It's like an exaggeration of how they actually met. Um, and I, I'm familiar with, or it did really good too. I should say that. It was a low budget like movie, but it did pretty good. Uh, your buddy Ray Romano was in it. So that's pretty big.
0: My good close personal friend. <laughs> your, your
1: close personal friend, Ray Romano. So I'm familiar with this story actually because uh, me, and, uh, me and my friend, we used to, when we were watching X-Files together, uh, a few years ago. like We watched the whole series at the same time. and uh, who's, who's this friend? A friend of mine. He is yeah. not from this city. But uh, I would say his initials are the same as mine. They, he is also an RJ. Yeah. Yes. Friend of mine. Friend of the show. Maybe he'll email in one day. But I don't know if he listens. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so we were both watching X-Files at the same time. And uh, Kumal Nandiani has... He had a podcast. He doesn't do it anymore. He had a podcast called uh, The X-Files Files Files, where he was going through every episode. And uh, I really liked it. It was really good. And then he stopped doing it when the new episodes came out like a year ago or a year or two ago, whenever they came out. And then he started doing other stuff and he's in like a lot of movies now. And uh, then, I don't know, the more that I see this guy... So I'll I'll say, okay, I'll say one thing first. Uh, I thought this movie was really good. It's really like uh, feels like a genuine, like earnest, like the people are really like earnest. Like it seems like the conversations they have is kind of what real people would talk like and like the way their relationship goes. It's like that seems real and like I appreciate that and there's nothing that's like too over the top or anything like that. So I used to think this guy was really cool and then my exposure to him grew a little bit and he kind of strikes me as, as like, not like an asshole, but he's kind of a dink. I think he, <laughs> I think he, he's a very strong uh, SJW um, in some rights. And like, Whoa. there's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes it's a little bit overbearing.
0: Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know, RJ. am I going to have to distance myself from your comments?
1: You're Maybe. Here, here's a good example. You know, Pat Oswald. everyone likes Patton Oswalt, right?
0: Yep. Sure. Some people so I I'm like, sure don't, but yeah,
1: I like him. I like Patton Oswalt, but sometimes he can be a little much on the internet where it's like, I agree with all the things he's saying. It's like, yeah, you're right. Like these people shouldn't be persecuted or yeah, you're right. <laughs> that guy shouldn't die because he's like gay. I got like, I agree with everything that he's wow. saying. Bold,
0: but bold political bold, stances. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a bold stance. I agree with all the things that they say and like they like represent, but there's like, I find it like i said it's overbearing and it's a little much where you you drown in it you're just like oh my god you're like okay i I, enough so i stopped following these guys a long time ago because it was it was too much for me man sound like a white centrist to me sure (laughs) (laughs) if that's the way (laughs) whatever i'm just saying that these guys are a little overbearing (laughs) on the internet and uh it kind of um it changed my opinion of him a little bit because I was really into his show. I thought it was fucking awesome. Like the Mm -hmm. X-Files podcast. Yeah. And then, um, but so anyways, I think it kind of rubbed off a little bit on this movie where I, I actually like this movie. I think it's really good. It's a, it's a nice modern rom-com kind of, uh, it's not like, it's never like cheesy or awkward or anything like that. So I think it's miles ahead of other things, but at the same time, the way I feel like he feels like he's a really like tough shit, even though he makes like self-deprecating jokes,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so it just kind of comes off as obnoxious sometimes. That's all. And it kind of it distracted me at a few, po- pi- few points in the movie. I was like, oh. I was like, don't be a dink. Jeez. But uh, no, it's a, it was a good show and I liked it. So, um, so, I, what, actually, so, so what
0: what is what does the big sick mean?
1: Oh, uh, so him and his, he was dating this girl, uh, who became his wife and, uh, she went into a coma and then when she was in a coma, that was when he like met her parents and stuff like that. And they were actually, they were broken up. I mean, if the movie is accurate, like she actually did go in a coma and stuff like that all really happened. But the way the movie shows it is like they dated for a while, but because they're like, uh, Because it was an interracial thing and like different backgrounds and religions, like his family wanted him to marry like a girl from Pakistan, like an arranged marriage. So like he was always kind of like had dad on the background and she was just like, why? She was like, I don't really get it. Like, why do you have to marry a girl from Pakistan? And so like they kind of like they split up for that reason. But then she goes in a coma and then and then uh, he meets her dad, Ray Romano. And uh, Holly Hunter and then he hangs out with uh, her parents for like half of the movie and then when she comes out of the coma he's like in love with her again but she was in a coma she's like no we're still broken up so that's what the movie is about that's why they call it the big sick there you go she was in a coma so uh, no it was a good show I mean if you like uh, like rom-coms or anything like that I bet Chanel would like it
0: actually okay maybe okay (laughs) So yeah. my, maybe my my new gimmick, RJ, is I'm I'm going to yeah. ask you, why is this movie called what this is?
1: Okay, yeah, I, I'm, I'm down with R- that. RJ, that
0: why is Bottle Rocket called Bottle Rocket?
1: Uh, in, don't, you don't in have a, to answer that. In a scene in the movie, <laughs> Owen Wilson shoots Bottle Rockets. That's, um, that's but actually, <laughs> I just remembered something else funny. Uh, so in that X-Files file show, there was one host that I never really, really liked. And then uh, a couple years later, um, it came out that, uh, he, he was like an editor on a big internet website and a couple years later it came out that he was kind of a piece of shit and the co-host was, uh, your buddy, Devin Ferracci. Oh,
0: you see he, he's in the news today?
1: Yeah, that's why I brought it up because it was like he got hired back on. Uh, so if anyone's not familiar...
0: Secretly... This-
1: yeah, this Devin Faraci guy was, like, the editor of some website, and
0: uh, birth, apparently he— movies, death. And yeah, birth, and movies, death. Whatever the fuck it was before it became that. Yeah, yeah he's been around uh, for a while.
1: Yeah, so apparently when he wasn't on the internet, he was, like, really aggressive with
0: Oh, Uh-oh. I think, well, Devin ferracci's on Skype, and he's like, no, you can't say what you're going to say. Oh, well, maybe he was beating up the ladies, and that's why I caught oh, him. I don't wow. think he
1: beat them up. I think he was just, like, really sexually aggressive to, like, strange strangers, basically. And everyone was like, oh, this isn't good. And uh, <laughs> No,
0: I, weird. <laughs> that's so weird. Why would people think that way? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So that guy
1: was on the, that podcast a lot. And yeah. uh, I, I remember... Because I remember when it came out that he was a bad dude. I was like, ah. Oh. Because one day he had a tweet about, like, Killing a dog or something, and I was like, "What is this piece of shit?" I think I sent it to you. I was like, "This guy's a fucking asshole."
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: and then, and then he got fired from his job, and I was like, "Nice."
0: <laughs> he uh, he stepped away. He he wasn't. Yeah. he's was never fired. He, he decided I, I I would be a distraction or something like that. I don't even remember the details of it, but he's back in the news because apparently he tried to they tried to slip him in there into the Fantastic Fest stuff, and uh, somebody a programmer there stepped down to. Bring, to make a statement. Uh all yep. uh, Ed Scryn's style, some might say. And uh so uh Devin Farachi, he isn't uh his name's back out there. We'll, we'll, well you heard it here first, folks. That guy's a piece of shit. Yeah, he, oh no, so I think like I don't know. You'd have to like really think about like what his worst offense could be. I think there was one time when he called like gamergate people. Like, they're like mm-hmm. they're worse than ISIS. And it's like that's spoken by somebody who like doesn't know anything about what ISIS was up to ISIS? and like, it's just like absurd. Like, it's like, he's so dumb. He's the sort of guy. I remember Mm -hmm. like he wrote some article about like things like what, what does Than what does Thanos mean in the infinity war? Like some like just like a think piece about Marvel movies. And it's just like, this guy's just like the shits. And like, I think, uh, it even goes back to like, cause, uh, him like he he wrote this rip piece on a uh, Batman versus Superman. And mm-hmm. it's just like the worst hack writing. It's just like he talks about that oh. but then, and then he yeah. turns around and talks about what great Marvel movies are. I remember always that it's like and I mean I, I definitely would think the uh comparing things to ISIS and like sexually assaulting women allegedly yeah. or whatever is probably worse than all these things. But uh yeah, he's just like crap. He's he's a dumb internet yeah. dude that's just online and he just he hangs around continuously. And, mm-hmm I, I remember know. what it
1: was now I think The the reason I had a problem with him I think it was around when Batman Superman came out And he made some kind of joke about how like He would rather beat his dog to death Than like watch that movie or something But it was really like Something like that had just happened <laughs> And like he used the hashtag From it or something oh. like that And it was just like you piece of shit Like It's like why would you think that would be okay So that guy sucks um but anyways <sighs> you know what else i creeped on jared what whole bunch of stephen king movies baby wow. because it because it's it week and i was like i gotta play up to the type mm-hmm. the stereotype that i've created for myself that's right yeah so i watched uh six stephen king movies Jesus this week. christ can you believe it i can go for it so i started off with what might be a controversial movie. Not controversial, but... Uh, actually, that's not the right word at all. Divisive? Oh. Divisive. So, I watched... Divisive. I watched a movie from the 90s called The Dark Half, directed by George Romero. Mm-hmm. Wait, that, that's who that was, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Night of the... Living, the creator of the modern zombie, as some people and, call him. And now dead. Now dead. Yeah. So, uh... I was, I went into this hearing a lot of bad things and I thought it was really fucking good. Not super good. Like, I mean, it's not amazing, but I actually really enjoyed it. So the dark half is about like, uh, this guy who, when he's like 12 years or when he's like eight years old or something, uh, he has seizures and then the doctors go into his brain and there's like an eyeball in there and like a tooth and they're like, Oh my God, it was a conjoined twin Uh, The fetus never completely consumed it. It's growing. And it's like, oh, and they remove it. And then like 30 years later, the guy is uh, an author of like horror books or something because that's all Stephen King knows how to write is other authors and things like that. Secret Um, window. Yeah, like secret window. And uh, the main character in it, when he grows up, he writes horror books. Misery. Uh Misery, um Fourteen Oh no wait, not fourteen oh eight. Uh The Shining. No wait, that doesn't have a horror yeah. author in it. He's a he's an author. He's an author. But yeah. So uh basically like fifty percent of Stephen King's books are about <laughs> other authors. <laughs>
0: They're about which is fun. I like it. Uh whatever. And sheriffs. Um, when Stephen sheriffs. King was sheriff of uh Derry Castle Rock. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um was I gonna say? Oh, yeah, the, so, hey,
0: fuck, we forgot there's like the Castle Rock TV show coming too.
1: Yeah, the the JJ Abrams uh produced oh. Castle Rock TV show. Uh so yeah, the year of Stephen King. Um, anyways, thirty years later this guy's writing books and then uh the conjoined twin is like grown up from the mass of flesh that they removed (laughs) Mm -hmm. and is like the embodiment of evil he's like one of the characters that the guy created in his books and then he comes in he like haunts him and like kills people that he knows um so i have heard nothing but bad things and i'm going to tell you why i actually like this movie because this is like as we just discussed these are a lot of like the uh, Stephen King uses a lot of the same ideas, like about writers and stuff like that, and he's he really likes this thing about like um, inner demons, which I think can be related back to your buddy David Lynch with uh, his mm. doppelgangers, uh, Twin Peaks style baby, mm. um, and like inner demons, and then like also like different uh, like personas and stuff like that. Like he really he's really into this idea of. Like when he was writing under Richard Bachman, like having a different persona to like write under. And I think that's like why he did like that's obviously why he did this. But I kind of like this movie because I feel like he's he's kind of like just saying a lot of the stuff that he was thinking like it's like wish fulfillment almost because it's like what if one of my characters came to life and killed all my old editors and like reviewers and people that I just didn't like. He's like, wouldn't that be fun? And you're like, yeah, I guess it's like it's like temptation, man. And he he does this thing about like how writing is like a pain for him. And I think it's he's relating it back to like when he was addicted, because I think he wrote this book when he was probably on coke or or the booze or something like that. But uh, I don't know. I thought this movie actually had some really cool stuff, though, like some of the bird scenes, I think, are really cool um not all of them there's one that's a little cgie but uh the bird scenes are cool and uh there's a couple good practical effects like at the end some guy's body gets ripped apart and I thought that was neat um I've heard people describe it as slow and it is but I liked it man I think it's a pretty good like uh I think George Romero did a really good job translating like Stephen King's work which is like one of usually the biggest problem is people don't like adapt it from book to film very well and i thought he did a really good job um there's a a few things that are really bad like there's some really bad exposition and there's some really goofy shit like there's one scene where the uh, the dark half like the conjoined twin he takes out all the light bulbs in a hallway in an apartment to like scare some guy and it's just like what it's like when would that happen but I don't know. The other things I really like is uh, I'm a 90s kid, and I fe- I think it has a real 90s feel, like, in the sound. Not not even, not like the music, but the way it sounds and the way it looks. I was like, yeah, 90s. Kid.
0: 90s. <sighs> yeah. So uh, you've seen The Dark Half, have you not? Yes, I watched that last year. Um, I don't remember really much about it. Um, my letterbox review is two stars, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, I just mostly remember it being boring. (laughs) Yeah. Very Mm -hmm. boring. Uh, it just went on and like, I think there's just like, I don't know I think Timothy, Timothy Dutton, Button. Yeah. He's something like that. He stinks. I think he's a bad actor. I can't get I couldn't get past him. And then the movie just goes on way too long. Uh it just yep. it just felt very predictable, wrote kind of stuff like that. It didn't, oh, even, yeah. it didn't even feel like yeah. Stephen King in any particular way. Um Yeah, so was not a fan. Was not a I fan. hear you. That's all that's I can okay. that's all I can really say. Uh and I really want to rewatch it to find out if I, my mind would change cuz I don't yeah. think it was for me. If you didn't like it, you didn't like it. That's fine.
1: Uh, I, I liked it because it's a lot of s- similar things, tropes that he does. And I was like, yeah, this is familiar. I'm comfortable. Um, so uh, then I watched a short called The Boogeyman, and it really sucked from 1982. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Okay. It's like it was made for like $10, and it sucks.
0: Yeah. So Some there you good, go, yeah. it's, Boogeyman. It's,
1: it's pretty bad. Yeah. So then I watched uh, Cat's Eye. Yes, and this this sucker just got a Blu-ray release yes, uh, like did. last year yep. from 1985. It is uh, got a young Drew Barrymore in there, um, when she's just a kid. Mm-hmm. So, Cat's Eye is a it's like one of his short story collections. So they well, it's exactly one of his short story collections. <laughs> Correct. Uh, it's a movie about. Uh, it has three. Uh, it's like an anthology of yes. three separate stories, and they're all connected by this one one element uh so um just to talk about it a little bit jared uh this movie would have been really good i think the three short stories are actually um i think all three of them are actually really good mm-hmm. the first one uh quitters inc i remember yep. we talked about this on google school that's like one of my favorite stephen king
0: shorts where it's about like
1: a company that gets people to quit smoking, and yeah, you hi, yeah, you
0: hire them to help you quit, yeah, quit, and, quit and, smoking. And their methods are uh, extreme, extreme, because they, they, because yeah. it's like they, they will find you out if you're not if you're smoking, and yeah. they'll do things to your loved ones. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, so uh, that's like one of my favorites actually. And then uh, the second segment, the ledge yeah. or whatever, or the walk or whatever. The ledge. I think yeah. that yeah, that one is really good. And then the third one, I think, is good too. It's got like a little evil troll. Yeah. And uh, it looks, it so looks fu- good. So fucking it, like, awesome. Yeah, it looks really good. And then the cat's a hero, yep. which is cool. But uh, I hated this fucking movie uh, <laughs> because the connective tissue, like the uh, what do they call that in anthologies, like the um.
0: Oh damn it! I there's a word for it, yeah, like uh, uh, the framing device, sort the of. framing thing.
1: device, yeah. yeah there's, for, a,
0: there's just some other word for it too, but yeah, the, you, uh, you look that up while I talk sure.
1: about it. Uh, the, yeah, like the framing device for connecting these these three stories is a cat, and it's a real cat, and it's a cat that's traveling from city to city, uh, trying to get to Drew Barrymore for the last segment, so the cat can be the her- hero against the evil troll and I think that's fine I have no problems with it like I think uh, it's a cool idea like Neil Gaiman always talks about how cats can like travel through dimensions and uh, Murakami talks about cats like that too so I, I really I like that idea mm-hmm. but what I don't like is that in this movie uh, they have real cats uh, like the same cat unless they killed it which they might have at one point in this movie and got a replacement uh, they give it shock like uh, electric shock
2: yeah. which is really cool.
1: It's definitely real. I know. I've done that. Um, they throw it into oncoming traffic a bunch of times. And they get it to run while cars are ripping by. And it's not like super sped up either. Like there's actually just cars driving around this cat like pretty fast. Uh, so that's really fucked up. And then in the last scene when he's fighting the troll. Uh, I don't know man. Like they might have done something that cat. But it's like. Like it's fighting the troll, and the troll's got knives, and it looks like it hits the cat a couple times, and it looks like it does it for real. But even if that didn't happen, this whole movie, the cat's like hissing and getting like thrown around rooms and stuff like that. And I was like, man, even for like 85, like that's pretty shitty to do to like a real cat. And uh, I think one of the reasons is, uh, uh, I think Lewis Teague directed this. And um, he, he did that movie Alligator, which I watched last October. And there's a lot of dead pets in that movie. And uh, I think he did Cujo. He did. And uh, your buddy Dino De was a producer on this. So those two uh, guys probably got together and just laughed about all the cats they killed filming this movie. <laughs> um, So it's really too bad uh... because I actually like the shorts a lot. But I think the uh, whatever the bridgings like the bridge overstory whatever. Um, the connective tissue uh, mm. I thought was horse shit because uh, even if that cat wasn't actually hurt, they're basically fucking like just tormenting it for however long this shoot was, and that sucks,
0: yeah, or at least several cats. Several cats, yeah. which brings me to my next creep, Jarrett. Oh, can I just throw it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it, you know, you like, talk. no, so I uh, cat's eye. I I like it just fine. Um, I think the the Quittersync story is good. Uh, the one that people lose their mind over all the time is the ledge. They talk about how amazing it is. I thought it just is kind of like there. It's just okay. Um, I like then, the other two more, but I yeah. I, I thought and,
1: the ledge was good.
0: Yeah, and then yeah, I love that troll thing. Uh, as mm-hmm. I, in my uh, review for it, I mentioned uh, the the. Uh, practical effects for that were actually done by uh, Carlos Rambaldi, uh, who's just like the, mm-hmm. the best special effects man around. Uh, his stuff just looks so convincing and like uh, perfect for movies. Uh, always yep. will love him. Uh, and then, yeah, like there was like I think the one thing with the cats was definitely the electroshock fencing thing with the cat. Yep. We were like what the fuck are they doing like who thought Mm -hmm. this was a good idea and it's like now rj shouldn't watch this which is i think (laughs) something i would have mentioned to you (laughs) you you did you told me you told me not to watch
1: this which is the same as the next creep i watched but i I did anyways because it's like i really like stephen king man and i like these movies well i think i like these movies (laughs) i like the idea of them but then stuff like that happens and like I know I've said this before and it's like a broken record at this point, but stuff like that really bums me out and it really takes me out of the movie. Right. Because it's like, I don't want to see a real cat getting fucking tortured on the, in like for, for this piece of shit movie. Like, you know, which brings me to the next movie I watched from 1992. Uh, your buddy Mick Garris uh, adap- adaptation screenplay written by Stephen King sleepwalkers. Yeah. So
0: this fucking
1: piece of shit movie starts starring off. Starring
0: Shelley from Twin Peaks. St-
1: yeah, starring uh, Mad. What is it? Mad. Uh, Madchen Ahmed? Yeah. Um, Shelly from Twin Peaks. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, starring her and then uh, the guy who was the angel in the TV show Charmed, the show with the witches. You guys all remember that, eh? No, RJ. We don't. <laughs> mm. Hey, actually, you know what? This was the only one I watched that actually had a cameo with Stephen King in it. And a
0: bunch of other dudes. Bunch show. of other, yeah, yeah. Isn't like Toby Hooper Toby in this? Toby Hooper, thing? Clive Barker, and yeah. I think John Landis all uh, showed up uh, in this movie. What and what a movie! What a movie! Yeah, what a movie! So this movie uh, is about shapeshifter, incest. like Egyptian.
1: It's about yeah, in, it's about incest. Yeah. Uh, so it's about um, cat people, basically. They're shapeshifters and they go town to town being cat people. Uh, a mother and mother and son. A mother and a son who have an intimate bond. They both. Yeah, for, like, I think a couple times a in this lot. movie. Uh, yeah, in rubber suits. You see suits. that a lot. Yeah, in rubber cat suits, which is kind of gross. <laughs> um, this fucking movie has the the balls to show, like, 40 dead cats right in the first scene. And you're just like, ugh. Because some of them look real, Jared. Some of I them look real. I don't know if they are. I You, think know, you know why the world? reason I think that? Is because in the last scene, uh, so the cats are like again, they're supposed to be the protector yes. cat people. So, yeah. like, the cat people have to move towns all the time because whenever they stay there, like, like 40 cats are just outside their house. And uh, the reason I think there's maybe, like, at least one or two real dead cats in that opening scene is because in the last, se- like, sequence of this movie where the cat mom fights all of the other cats, she's fucking tossing these cats left and right. Like, real cats. If not her, someone was, like, out of out a camera and had a cat in their hands and was just like, Ugh! like just th- <laughs> like threw through yeah. the cat on her or something like that.
0: That's uh, that's all in good fun, yeah. RJ. I, so this, I, I'm I'm yeah. I'm. I pretty like i watched this with uh two fellow cat lovers and yeah I, like we all kind of like laughed at the like cat brutality the but i don't yeah. think it's like pretty, like i don't think this movie was uh there was like there's like uh god i think mick garris was on some podcast like i listened yeah. to like last year and there was like the one thing that's like oh you shouldn't do that to cats it's like tying them down they like, tied them down yeah they yeah. tied them down on the front yard i think that's the closest there is to like Animal abuse, if you want to call it that, which I guess, like, if you feel that way, it would be. Uh, And it's like, yeah, get that shot. But it's like, and that's about it. But I don't think, like, according to him, it was all just like it's a mix of like actual cats. And then when they need to hurt a cat or kill a cat, because these cat monsters hate actual cats, they're killing like stuffed animals and like things. Like, thick things and it's just edited in a way Mm -hmm. that you're like, "Mm," it's supposed to be convincing. But the problem for a viewer such as yourself is that you are like, they shouldn't be doing this. They shouldn't just, they shouldn't even be making this movie. There's no reason for it at all. So exactly, it's like an impossible situation. Um, Well, he should have known better. Yeah. As a person that doesn't feel strongly about this, this movie's just not that good at all. (laughs) Like, Oh yeah.
1: That's the other thing. That's why, that's why I was like, that's why i really didn't like it because i was like this is the shit they're doing for like this piece of shit made for tv
0: movie wow. that like it had a theatrical run <laughs> oh well that's embarrassing yeah all um, oh, those that cgi those transformation scenes when he's in the car like uh so people bad. can uh, listen to my like two minute review of this from uh ghoul school episode four about 45 mm-hmm. minutes in when i told rj he should this movie's not should very not. good
1: yeah, yeah, it's really bad. The only thing I, I, I liked in this movie was there was a cop who drove around and he had a cat as a, yes, a partner. Yes, he did. And he, he had a little cat pillow on his uh, passenger seat yeah. and they drove around and they were buddies. And I yeah. thought that was really cool. Yeah, I wanted to see the rest of
0: that movie.
1: Yeah, that's the movie I wanted to watch.
0: Yeah. But uh, yeah, cat this movie cop. sucks. Yep.
1: Um, and then I watched uh, an all-time Stephen King banger, one of the best at... Uh, movies ever the running man mm-hmm. starring your starring arnold schwarzenegger yeah jesse the body vendor uh yeah among others yeah oh. um it's been a long time since i've seen this actually yeah this movie fucking rules man yeah it's great. i really like it <laughs> so
0: there's you know what's weird
1: people hate this movie
0: yeah i don't i've never which i don't, I don't understand and like this is like my like uh after like the terminator movies this is like easily my like I think my like my favorite uh, Arnie movies. Like I mean yeah, it's, it's so, so good. Like, yeah, you have your Terminators, your Total Recalls, Predator. But I I'd have Running Man in it cuz this movie is like uh so entertaining. Uh it's yeah. like I mean it's sh- like there's times where it's shitty in the, but it's like in the good ways that there's like yeah. like the costumes and stuff like that are crappy yeah. but it works in the sense that it's like this goofball like crime t like mm-hmm. this like reality kill show and it's like weird and garish and like just yeah like a strange movie and like i remember as a kid watching it and being was like oh this movie's so weird and like kind of scares me like i think yeah. like when they do the uh with arnie uh uh de- like, killed in the cage and they do the computer mm-hmm. generation i thought that was like messed up like I really was like oh god mm-hmm. <laughs> someone could like fake my death and make me yeah. die <laughs> Mm -hmm.
1: which is the world we created for ourselves now that's right but actually so a good point is i have two i have two more stephen king movies to talk about after this but a good point is the one i watched after after is really goofy and like has those bad costumes and like a really like out of this world like goofy premise but that movie just sucks this (laughs) like the running man is wicked like it has all that stuff in there but it's it seems so like uh I don't know it seems like fitting it's just like man this like I don't know you never doubt like the authenticity of it I guess like Mm -hmm. I never do you'd watch it and you're like man this like this is real Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh yeah Running Man is so good um apparently I don't think Stephen King likes it because it is different from like the book uh so a lot of these actually too I should have mentioned like I have read most of the stories or books for these movies and like i have read running man and it's similar but it is way different like the book doesn't have like the gladiatorial games it's like it is a game show but it's i think it's the reason they call it the running man is like uh you get like 72 hours to outrun like the hunters or something like that yeah it's like um you ever seen that show what was it called like Manhunter? yeah that was on uh, <laughs> like the outdoor living network or something oh, yeah. it was like that which is pretty cool Um, but whatever,
0: uh, Running Man is wicked. Everyone should think so. I, I I don't have... I could see a case, like, if you don't have, uh, 80s nostalgia for this stuff, I I mean, if you don't love, I mean, okay, I I think there's, like, some people who also may not like RoboCop. You probably won't love Running Man either, but, uh, it, it's like, I don't know, it's in that wheelhouse of, uh, your, uh, yeah. If you like, hey, if you like the John Woo movies, and you like, uh... RoboCop. You should definitely watch Running Man if you haven't already.
1: Yeah, yeah, super good. Yeah, uh, I dig it. Uh, so then I watched one really quickly, one other, and then we'll get to the main show yep. here uh, of our creeps. Not even fucking your creeps or the movie we're supposed to be talking about. Oh yeah, but uh, I should talk about this. Uh, the last Stephen or the other Stephen King movie I watched last night was uh The Lawnmower Man.
2: <laughs> the the
1: most infamously. Uh, um like uh the movie stephen king has hated more than any other adaptation of any of his books other than
0: his own movie other than his made, own which is bullshit yeah that movie's great too yeah uh
1: yeah no he doesn't like maximum overdrive but that movie's super fucking cool yeah uh so the mon man the i believe the tagline for this was god made him simple man made him god which sounds pretty cool. No, <laughs> uh, but it is not
0: cool. Uh, so the premise of this. So, movie... Okay, I want to. Th- I just want to get the, my feelings yeah. on this movie very quick. So, okay, uh, okay. this movie. You were like two years old when this movie came out. You you like what four two something like that. Wait, what what year did? I don't. Two. Know I was two years old. When yeah, this it time. was ninety-two. Okay, so I remember when this movie came out. I was nine, and I remember like the trailers for this when it, they mm-hmm. play, came on TV, and it was like Stephen King's. The long, but then like that, it was weird because it became like Stephen King's <laughs> name disappeared off of it, and I was like, that's weird. Yeah. I thought that was a Stephen King movie because there's a whole issue about that. Uh, I think I think Stephen King also hates this movie because he didn't get paid anything for it or they try, oh, well, they, try they, they try to get around paying him somehow. Uh, but yeah, I remember like this movie was like on the cutting edge of like computer uh, generated effects. And even mm-hmm. back then it looked really bad. Um, mm-hmm. And like this was before Pierce Brosnan was like uh, a North American star. Uh, I, mean, I always kind of wanted to watch it because it's like, oh, the lawnmower, man. <laughs> lawnmowers are so, like, normal and basic. But, like, what man, that if there's, like, a lawnmower, man, that that means it's going to be even more scary, right? Like, it's going to be, like, the most messed up thing ever because lawnmowers could be scary. Oh, man, this is guy, like, lawnmower people to death. But, wait, he's in a computer. Wait, what? That's that, well, not scary. Because, like, you know, as a kid, you're like, well, computers are, like, just, like, Apple IICs and you play Oregon Trail on it. And who, who cares? And there's this guy who mows lawns. I don't. I don't get it, RJ. So maybe you can tell me, because I have still never seen Lawnmower Man. Because you've never I seen this? Okay. No. Because I've only ever heard that this movie is really bad. And I don't give a fuck that Scream Factory put this out on like a thirty-dollar Blu-ray. Because I was just like, no. I know this movie's not good. And I know if I buy it, I will be the biggest sucker in the world. Mm-hmm. it is
1: not it's not worth your time let alone your money. Yeah. Uh the only way I would tell anyone to watch this is maybe if you had a big group of friends and you were you wanted to make fun of something but even then you'd be like oh this movie sucks. Uh so this movie is about Guy lawns and then 007 himself Pierce Brosnan is like want to try my virtual reality and then he shows this like simpleton the computer and he's also giving him what he calls neotropic drugs mm. to expand his synapses and things like that which anyways like i mean i can forgive this movie for like i've talked about before how i hate that idea of like uh where it's like what if you used 100 percent of your brain mm-hmm. like i hate that it's so stupid and not true but uh this movie came out 25 years ago so it's like all right but uh there's movies now today still that do that and it's like you're no better than lawnmower man so anyways uh pierce brosnan basically gets this like simpleton gives him drugs and puts him in virtual reality like all the time and then he develops like telekinesis and like anything like he can just do anything basically like he puts people in the vr with him and he's it's like uh Weird, like Microsoft Paint graphics, where he's like scaring the people and like doing stuff. Oh man, this this movie's really bad. I I had heard of the reputation before, but uh, I was honestly I was so bored that I think for twenty minutes I forgot I was watching it. Hmm. I just I I was on my phone and uh, I uh, I wasn't even listening and i looked up and i was like oh fuck i was like is this thing still on like yeah uh that's see that's what i mean like it's bad but it's not even funny bad it's just like boring it's boring and they're in like stupid suits and it's like an over the top thing it's like i was saying like running man is really cool but this one it's so boring that uh, i don't think i think if you even watched it with your uh your chowder head friends where you make fun of these. <laughs> uh, I don't think you guys would even like it either because you'd just be like, man, this movie
0: fucking blows. Oh yeah. Wow. So I wonder how it weighs, uh, holds up with uh, something like virtuosity. Uh, I've never seen that, but uh, don't. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, okay here, we got to get to this. I know yeah. I've been creeping a lot, but uh, yeah, you told, you told me to, I told you, I wasn't even going to talk about anything other than the Stephen King stuff, but Hopefully. this one's on Jarrett folks. Uh, so then you and me, the creeps went to the theater. We did. And we saw the new version of
0: Stephen King's It. Oh. You, know, you know what we also saw? What? We saw the Silver Fox. Ah, have we talked about him on the show? I think we might have, actually. Can you fill in the people, in case they don't know? So, an ongoing storyline in the Creepsville continuity is, uh, every time we've gone to a horror movie on a Saturday afternoon matinee of an opening weekend for a movie, Mm -hmm. uh, there's been another member, uh, of the crowd in attendance, uh, this fellow who we've dubbed Silver Fox, Mm -hmm. um... Never seen him. Don't know who he is. Just, just kind of know him because he's just got like the longest like silver hair you've seen, mm-hmm. and just wears flannel by himself. Looks like yep. a chill dude, and he's just there to watch some horror movies. There, there was one movie
1: where he had uh, a couple ladies with him, and I believe they were uh, of the Wiccan.
0: No, 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 um, background? Oh, no. See, or he, was that he, someone else? That was uh, those. No, he was by himself. That that was when we went to the they witch. They were just there, and they, they, we were like, okay. we were like, there was only five of us in the theater that day, and he just happened to be <laughs> yeah. there. And there's like two okay. other people. Yeah, no, you're 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 blurring it. No, okay. he he is a he's a lone wolf. You know, he's he's a mm-hmm. lone fox. You know what I
1: found out too, because hmm. I saw this guy in the bathroom. Because <laughs> we were at, okay, sorry, that it's part of it's part of how I saw it. So uh, me and Jared were like talking, we're like, I wonder if we're gonna see that guy, and uh, the movie was getting closer to starting, and he wasn't there, and we're just like, oh, what if he doesn't come? And uh, I went to the bathroom uh, before the movie started, and he nervous. was in. Yeah, because I was nervous, and he was in there. And uh, I saw uh, that by the sink when he was washing his hands, he had a motorcycle helmet. Uh So the Silver Fox rides a motorcycle, which is pretty cool. Yeah, And uh, I saw him in a grocery store one time, and I snapped a pic, and I sent it to Jared. It was Mm -hmm. really creepy, and uh, I don't care.
0: Yeah, I've got a picture of him uh, waiting in line at 7-Eleven. Nice. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, I hope people appreciate this because this is a lot of work that we've done.
1: (laughs) Uh, cat like cataloging uh our encounters with this guy but the point is he's got good taste man because yeah. he's always he, he's we've seen him like four or five times now at
0: movies he's pretty good uh, do you think he's gonna be at mother at uh fuck yeah on at 150 on Saturday oh fuck yeah no. for sure we okay. gotta go to see if we get that movie oh we do I, I'm looking uh, at okay. it right now at 150 there you on go. Saturday there you go. uh so It... Yeah, so it, the long uh, talked about, uh,
1: I have talked about this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, we finally went, we finally saw. As you discussed a little bit earlier, this movie made all of the money in the world. Yep. It the uh, biggest opening for a horror movie ever, uh, like second best of the year. I think only second to like Guardians of the Galaxy or Which is something crazy. like that. Yeah, which is nuts. Uh, it's got really good reviews, like ratings. It's at like an 80 or a 90% or something. Well, it was at a nine. Maybe it came down. Let's see what I'll continue.
2: I'll, I'll but uh you.
1: Yeah, so um, this is, uh, Jarrett mentioned earlier, I, it's kind of like this weird magical thing where there's nothing else released this in September almost. Uh, the movies that came out in the summer all kind of didn't do as well as they thought.
0: There haven't hasn't been a horror movie in a little bit, like a good one. Well, the, yeah, there's the there's, marketing was really good. There hasn't been any yep. movie like it, the, it's been a dry spell, so people haven't gone to any movies at all for like a month probably. Uh, so and there was like no competition to it. It had a really good marketing campaign. The word of mouth was good, and people all mm-hmm. went out in droves and uh, just kept going to it. Like I've seen a lot of people mention that they've gone to it more than once, including you, um, including me. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so there. Of those factors that, like, yeah, those, those movies tend to make a lot of money and all those things. For a second. Metacritic, uh, yeah, has it at 70%, which okay. is exactly how about where I would put this movie myself. Yeah. Um, which, I think, and Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. it's like you know, it's like 90% just because mm-hmm. 90% of critics like it doesn't mean it doesn't gauge how much they like it, though. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, we talked about it a lot. As
1: you said, I went twice, I went once with you, and I went once with uh another buddy um so i I don't know if people know but i like stephen king i'm what what you could call a fan uh if you want to hear more listen to any episode of our show or um particularly uh the nanook of the north episode which is like 20 something Uh, i talk about the book that i just read and also the 90s tv series so those are fresh in my mind in that episode if anyone cares So anyways, we've been talking about this a lot. I was really excited for it. And uh, I think they did a really great job. I think this movie, having seen it twice now, uh, I think this movie is really fucking good. Um, I think the most important thing is that it is not just a semi-faithful adaptation. I feel like they actually understand what Stephen King was actually trying to do in the book, which uh, for me, the best parts of it were... I think for anyone, actually, like if you read it, you'll take away that like the best parts of that book is like the kids and like them growing up and the adults like them talking with each other. And it's like all of these people, how they interact with each other and uh, like for the kids, I guess it's like them growing up and they feel older than they are and they feel like outsiders and they there's this like bond between them that uh like for kids it's like one of those things where you have a friendship and it's like uh it's something you don't really need need to talk about it's just like a bond that is there and uh, i think this movie does that really well like the best parts of this movie is it's just the kids like uh just being kids man they're like playing with each other and they're hanging out and they're they're taking shots at each other that i think that stuff is fucking great uh i think um Ben, like Ben Hanscom, the fat kid. He is amazing. He broke my my damn heart. Uh, I think that kid is awesome. And uh a lot of people will talk about uh Eddie or I'm not. A lot of people talk about Bill, Richie and Bev as like being the best characters cuz they kind of stand out, but uh, I think actually the best kid was Eddie, like the hypochondriac kid. Mm. That kid is a really good actor, man. He has some wicked scenes, but um So anyways, back to the movie itself. Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Um, The only thing I don't really like is I think uh, I don't like some of the stylistic choices that like andy muschetti as a director does Mm -hmm. where like for it's especially and i've heard this like i know you kind of said this and i heard someone else say the same thing like another friend of mine the only parts that like stand out for a lot of people are the actual scares like the horror parts because what he does a lot is like A lot of like sideways angles, and then when the scare comes at the screen, the camera's like really shaky back and forth. And there's in one of those trailers where he's like, like (laughs) coming at the camera. They do that a lot, lot. and then uh, and then there's a lot of like CGI that doesn't really seem necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, So this movie's actually like where it's weakest is the some of the horror elements, Um, and I don't really like that. But at the same time, like I get why they do it because it's like this big mainstream movie and they're trying to appeal to these like mass audiences. So I get it. And, but I think the only frustrating thing with that is there's a couple of the scares. I think they do really well. Uh, one I really like is with Mike Hanlon, uh, the kid who goes to the quality meat store and it's like the hands come out of the door. And then when it opens, uh, Pennywise is like in there with lambs and stuff. I think that one is really good. And then one I really like is uh, with Ben when he's in the library, there's this really subtle thing where uh, he's flipping through the book. And if you look in the background, the librarian is like kind of creeping on him. Uh, I think that's awesome. Like, I think that's one of the best parts. But the, there's other things that aren't great. Like uh, Stanley, the Jewish kid, he's afraid of this Jewish painting in uh, his like dad's office or like some kind of weird pa- painting of a woman with a flute. And uh,
0: no, that so becomes... Careful here, Mel Gibson.
1: Yeah, I, I I thought it was a Jewish painting because it's like in no, a rabbi's no. office, but I guess maybe it could just I should <laughs> ease back a little bit. Uh, it could just be real, just a painting. But anyways, <laughs> like uh, that be that scare becomes like Conjuring Two, where like that was like just something they did in Conjuring Two, and then it's like all right, yeah. whatever. It's it's like a CGI thing that you like don't care about. But my point is, I really like this movie, man. I think it's really good. There's a lot of really cool subtle parts like with the kids like sometimes in the backgrounds like when the kids are getting off their bikes like one part a kid just falls over and i think that's really funny
0: yeah
1: or uh like all the stuff with ben i think is great when he's walking away and his like headphones are dragging on the dirt and he's he's in love with beverly and it breaks your heart like i think all the stuff with the kids is great uh, i just don't like some of the horror things but i uh, i like all the other stuff enough that the uh, the horror stuff doesn't bother me that much And there you go. So uh, what do you think,
0: dude? Uh, Yeah. So I like this movie. Um, I mean, people can go back through my reviews of contemporary cinema and usually all the movies that people like. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's about a, it's about a two and a half out of five. And that's about how I feel about everything, be it John Wick or Star Wars Force Awakens. Marvel movies. They're all just like, just there. I don't care about them whatsoever. Uh, Most of those movies, though, aren't horror, which is a genre I hold closer to my heart than a lot like fantasy, sci fi action superhero movies mm-hmm. um so it's i went into uh i guess i i went in with low expectations because i, I think that's the best <laughs> is good. that's the best way to go into something because uh yeah. when there's so much hype and like positive thing you're just like oh if i let myself get into it and this just disappoints because nothing's going to live up to what my, i would imagine it to be and i often find that mm-hmm. like what my expectations are and like what my personal aesthetics very rarely appear in like mainstream movies. Cause generally mm-hmm. those choices wouldn't make this movie a, a success. Um, right. So, cause I'm wrong, I guess, uh, in the eyes of the public. Um, yeah. but no, I thought this movie was good. Like it's uh mm-hmm. very solid. Like, I mean, as far as like, uh, mainstream big Hollywood horror movies go, it's very good. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it reinvents anything. I, I, Hard, yeah. I don't think it's scary. Uh, but but, uh, <laughs> but the caveat there is most horror movies aren't scary. Um, yeah. Once you, like, kind of leave the realm of, like, a handful of movies, mm-hmm. m- movies aren't scary. <laughs> like, they're just not. Uh, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that movie's kind of freaky and weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not. So... I saw people complaining or either like either they were talking about how good the jump scares were or talking about how there's yeah, yeah, yeah. too many jump scares. I didn't think this movie had either like of those like they weren't even yep. jump scares. they were just like, oh, that's happening now. Um mm-hmm. and my problem and actually it's funny that you break the two examples you bring up um with Ben and Mike's um skip yep. yep. like they their psychic attacks I guess from yeah. uh it. Uh, I found that they didn't do anything for me. And I think it's because like, they're the earliest ones too. Where yeah, like, yep. And so yep. uh, I think I saw someone put it in, well in review where they happen, where you don't care about the characters yet for them to work. <laughs> Uh, Um, so it's like, and I found that like, as the movie went, like the first half of the movie I thought was like, the characters were really good. And I haven't stressed Mm -hmm. that enough. Like the losers club stuff is very, very cool. Like it's nice to Mm -hmm. see a movie actually spend times developing characters, um, and have them fleshed out and you care about them. Like it's like, usually they just assume that you have to care about them because they're the protagonists rather than like, Hey, let's like give you some information to like have an opinion about them. (laughs) And it's like, I mean, there's like, I mean, people are going to bring their own, like uh, their own personal baggage to these characters, too, and be like, I like Ben because he's like a fat kid. And it's like, yeah, like and, and he, I was and, a fat and, kid. And he was bullied and stuff like that. But like, and that kid, yeah. like, does it. so, he, He's so good at, the, at that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, working with that, working with the actor. Uh, I don't even mm-hmm. know the name of the actor's kid other than Ben, the fat kid. But he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, he's so good. Uh, all the kids yeah. are good. And they're, they all look like kids. They all look awkward and not like. Older teenage. models. they are not twenty-year-olds playing twelve-year-olds. <laughs> like something yeah. stupid like that. Like they actually feel like kids. Um, I would love just like a TV show called Losers Club, and every week they fight monsters. Like that would be that, fa- would, be that, cool. that, that would be that would be better than it. Because uh, mm-hmm. the problem with it is that it's like one big story that they have to tell, and it's going to get a part two. But all the yep. stuff you like about this movie, they're all going to be gone, and it's going to be a bunch of lumpy, boring ass adult actors. I've seen all yep. those lists of cast and like who do you like to play and it's boring as fuck it's like the worst piece of shit movie in the world i fucking hate it yeah. um it's gonna be like it's like what are we making a fast and the furious movie here like come on like i don't give a fuck and uh so that that's gonna probably be a bummer when part two comes <laughs> out uh ah. Yeah. So I was going to say the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, I thought the ending of this movie was actually pretty good. Usually, movies Mm -hmm. like fall flat when it comes to the ending. This movie has actually got a pretty sweet ending. Like, they just Mm -hmm. went full on hey, these kids are going to beat the clown monster to death with pipes. And, it's, <laughs> and, it's, and they stab him and beat him. And it's just like, it's wicked. Like they it's beat like the shit out of him. Oh, it's so good. Like, like I, I was so like, like, yeah, like I didn't, cause I, I mean, I've never read the book. Uh, I vag- <laughs> I very vaguely remember the TV miniseries. Like I think every right. time I've ever watched it, like I've watched the first half and then I'm just like, eh, I don't really care about the second half. And then yeah. I just never, I don't even remember what happens. And so watching this, I was like, oh, cool. They're, be- they're beating the shit out of the clown. That's yeah. great. And, um, yeah, so that was good, but, yeah, I mean, it's, there's it's again, like, all movies, it's, like, people are like, this is an all-time, yeah. like, I, I'm not looking forward to the days of seeing, like, best horror movies of all time lists, and it's going to be on it now, and I just yeah. totally disagree with that. Um, mm-hmm. it, I, I haven't thought about the movie outside of, like, the, actually, one thing that I will remember from it, and it's, like, actually in the very first 10 minutes is, um uh, what's the name of the... Brad Skarsgård, Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård? Yeah. So the the best thing that he does, the best decision that he made while doing this role was doing like it where his face is too small his mouth is too small oh, yeah. for the insides of him because the first thing yeah. you see is when he's talking to Georgie his mouth's too big and he's drooling mm-hmm. and it, like there's just big gobs of smoke and he's like hey Georgie and like I yeah. thought that was like so good and I'm like oh it's mm-hmm. so subtle like he's like it's either like his mouth's too big for his face or he's so like hungry yeah. to eat him and he's drooling and it's like that was fantastic other than that uh all the stuff that like director Andy Marasky does Misquitty uh, Misquitty he um I don't know there's some there's some juggaloiness to uh, the the yeah, clown scenes sure. or it's just like yeah like as the sound is as you yeah, as yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. hyper shaking to running at you it's just like okay this is this is crap like this is um yeah some uh something ripped right out of sinister or
2: something like
0: mm-hmm. that Yeah. No, that stuff's too much. But like uh,
1: since you mentioned it too, like, I think Bill Skarsgård was actually really good when he's allowed to just be the character. Yeah. When he's not jumping at the screen and being like, (laughs) uh, I think that's good. One one other scene that uh, I really liked um, in the second time I watched it, I noticed it more is uh, when Eddie, like the hypochondriac kid, like breaks his arm and uh, Pennywise is coming at him. Eddie's like having an asthma attack and he's like crying kind of. And then Bill Skarsgård is like – <laughs> he's like like wheezing and he's like pretending to cry and stuff like that and he's like touching his face. Um I think that was really good. Like oh I, I
0: like how he does that part. This movie's got one of the worst broken arms I've seen in a movie in so you long. Know, it just snapped in half. Well, oh, it looks bad. Yeah. Like it looks yeah. like it's so fake because like it doesn't fit on the body. Oh, I I thought that yeah. was like so like wow. Like but then of course it's like, Oh, this movie has like a low budget of thirty five million dollars. It's like kind of yeah, you can't break a kid's arm better than that. Come on, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, but uh, then, I was gonna say yeah. one thing. You were when you were talking about how lumpy the adults are going to be in the other version. Uh, I think the kid story is better uh, than yeah. the adult version, so I think it's probably not going to be as good, but we'll see. Um, but I was gonna say I noticed this, but I asked you, and I don't think you uh, you thought the same. I think that a lot of the adults in this movie are portrayed as very like lumpy. Um, not all of them, but a couple of them, like Eddie's mom. The pharmacist, uh, the librarian, like a couple of them, they're like super mumpy in their clothes. And I feel like it like it has to be intentional. Like people don't look like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really like that for some reason. I was like, I don't know why it's like that. But it it I guess maybe it's like that's how kids
0: see adults is like really lumpy.
1: So, um, yeah, I don't know.
0: OK, here's a question for you, Mr. Yeah. I read the book. Um Is there like more to like Bill's mother in the book than there is in this movie? Because like the only time you see. Her she's is playing the piano at the piano. beginning, and then you see Bill's dad uh, admonish him for like trying to like mm-hmm. solve his uh, younger brother's death, and, uh, and then just like, your, "Your mother better not see this." And that's it. Like, you never yep. see her ag- so, ever, um, f- ever again. I
1: could be wrong because uh, it's been a little while, but I don't think you see Bill's parents very much because I think the reason for that is like one of his character, like part of his character, is that he feels like so distant from stuff because of like what happened to Georgie and like he says like he doesn't like being at home and like home is like in the movie he's like I don't like being at home because all of Georgie's stuff is there mm-hmm. and then even in the movie there's that scene where he's at his dinner table and like his parents aren't there so I feel like they were trying to like build that up where it's like it's a family who's dealing with this like big loss and they don't really know how to do it so
0: they're just kind of absent yeah I, mean, um, I guess I like, think that's what it would. yeah be. I mean there's like certain details in this this part too that like just feel odd when you think about it like how little response it seems there is from the community that all these children are being going missing because yeah. there's like the bit where like uh like the one bully kid when he gets disappeared in the t- yep. tunnels by the by zombies and whatever and then like mm-hmm. you see his mom i'm assuming it's his mom who's like this yeah like Asian woman and she looks like she, she's putting up missing posters and she just looks like she's like Doesn't I don't know care. getting the mail like her, her, rea- yeah. her like acting or whatever is just like completely like no selling oh my god yep. my son's missing in a town where children go missing and are never found all the time
1: so i can i can actually i know i know the answers to both of these things okay. so i think the movie tried to do it but they don't really explain it enough so in the book uh they explain how like every 27 years he comes and there's always like, it always ends in a big uh, ca- catastrophe. Yeah. So like that, that place that burnt to the ground or like in uh there's like a factory that explodes is like one example. And that's when, where they like kind of cover up uh, how all the kids went missing
2: hmm.
1: is like, they, they describe it in that way where it's like the kids are going missing. And then there's like a big, catastrophe and then everyone kind of thinks that's where all of like all the people who died like that's how they died mm-hmm. and uh, I think the movie tries to do it they actually they did a better job in um in the trailer and I don't think it's in the movie because I, I didn't notice it like in the trailer there's a scene where it's like they talk about how like adults uh, it's like adults act really weird it's like they don't know what's going on or like they say something like that in the trailer and I think that's part of um in the book uh, adults don't really see Pennywise,
2: um, yeah, because it,
1: it's like a it's a kid thing, right? Because in the movie, it's like he he lives off of yeah. fear, and that's, well, that's why he attacks kids, right? And like the adults are kind of oblivious to it, and like they they all forget like with these kids, like the losers they all move away and they all forget about it until he comes back. And then when, then they, they start to remember mm. again, like it's kind of like a phenomenon. It's a, it's a phenomena that Stephen King wrote in the books to use it as an excuse. It's like, uh, adults forget. And like, there's all
0: this kind of stuff at play that like, Brushes it under the rug. Well, you know what director I think would do have done a very good job with this uh type of Why? story, Mike Flanagan, because he's a guy yeah. who's all about yeah. missing children and or missing people and absence and stuff like that. Which I think is like, uh like for me, like when I think of it, it's like that is the story of like, yeah, it's like yeah, it a, of a like you're losing your like your younger like your sibling Gusco is missing one day, and it's mm-hmm. trying to find that brother, and it's like. I feel like the movie, like I think because it's successful is because it doesn't go down that route. And it's like, yeah, no one wants that movie. They want evil clowns and, and spookiness and like some Goonie style action rather than like a real like horror movie that like lingers on what the story of it is, why it's kind of like a scary idea of like, I don't know. It's not even like it's a clown fucking monster. It's just like, no, it's this thing that just like, Fucking yeah. snatches you right off the street and nobody and like there's yeah. no, and they don't find you and you're just gone and it could happen to your younger mm-hmm. brother and it's not fair that this thing just stole you and I never I don't get that dread wa- thinking about it and that's what yep. keeps it from being like a real like great movie that I'd be like oh man I I can't wait to see this again it's kind of like yeah no that was a fun entertaining mm-hmm. movie like I don't know it's like Jurassic Parks is a fun entertaining movie but it's not sure. like a thoughtful movie or anything um, sure yeah anyway that's kind of my yeah. thought on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's good. I, I think
1: the fact that you said that you like it, that you think it's like good, it's a good movie. Yeah, not. I think that people should take away from that because you don't like anything
0: ever. <laughs> so,
1: that's uh just yeah, yeah. So, oh man, I was talking for a while.
0: Holy fuck, yeah. Um, very quickly. Uh. So uh, I would recommend people who uh, still like Twin Peaks, the Return. Yeah, uh, to check out episodes 17 and 18, the last two episodes, but watch them in sync at the same time. <gasps> um, I, I some guy posted this like article and like this like whole theory about like, there's the whole thing in the show about two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, hey, maybe they meant you have to watch the last two episodes at the same time. And it's like, what a weird idea. And so uh, I read this guy's like kind of review slash theory of like what that, ch- how it changes the narrative, etc. And I was like, okay, you know what? I can do that on my laptop. So I did. And uh, mm-hmm. I found it incredibly fascinating because it, hmm. I think it like maybe it doesn't change things completely, but I think it explains things really well. Um, it explains what was going on the whole time. Uh, and you can, Mm -hmm. and you realize like why David Lynch was like working on this for like three years and like editing it for years and like getting things just right. And you're like, Oh wow, this thing is actually, it doesn't work. It's not a hundred percent, but it's like pretty accurate. And I think the big thing will be is like when this comes out on Blu-ray, if there's a two birds with one stone like feature, which lets you watch the last two episodes in sync and lets you uh, hone in on some stuff that like you just don't catch. Uh, on the first viewing anyway. And then you watch them back mm-hmm. like side by side and you go, Oh, they're completely interacting right now. And it's actually kind of, mm, it's a happier ending. It's a more satisfying ending. It explains mm-hmm. why we don't see Audrey Horn, like what, what happens to her because it turns out it doesn't matter because they did save the day. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know at the same time part of my mind's like well yeah but David Lynch didn't edit it that way and you could watch the show exactly how it's laid out and it's like you get the ending you get and it's really depressing yep. and he obviously wants that to be the real version and not this kind of gimmick thing but right. it's interesting nonetheless and it's like huh? and like I mean I was, I've been listening to some podcasts like where they actually did their review of it and like there's stuff mm-hmm. that they mentioned that I completely missed and then there's stuff that they're talking about where I'm like no no you guys got it wrong it's this way and it's mm-hmm. just like it's so fascinating to me how like tons of people can just like pull so much out of the show and there's so much there and you know, like everything was a decision and it's like, uh, everything's intentional and also completely left to your own devices. And it just like, it it, it just continues on in its own life. Um, and yeah, it's like at this point, I think it's going to be my like best film of the year. Like I, there's, nice. like, there's like nothing that's going to come close to Twin Peaks. I don't think in the remaining mm-hmm. four months. Uh, but you know, come on, rest of the movies coming out, please impress me more than this 18 hour thing. <laughs> Anna, Annabelle too. Yeah. Annabelle creation or was it what yeah. it's called? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Uh, nice. so that, that's, that's, cool. a, that's a recommendation viewing thing I did. Uh, nice. uh, I watched, uh, are you familiar with the Safety brothers, RJ? No, I'm not. But please explain to me. So Safety brothers, uh, what Ben and Josh? They are uh, two mumblecore uh, directors. You know, old mumblecore. Uh, they made, t- uh, they've been making short films and movies, uh, the last little while. And uh, uh, I had not watched any of them. But there's new their new movie that's come out, or it's. Uh, in, on the festival circuit right now, Good Time. Uh It's been all the craze amongst the kids. Uh, and I've been seeing lots of people watching it, loving it. Um, and I'm like, I don't even know anything about their stuff. But I've seen like a couple, one cartoonist I really like, Sammy Harkham, he did uh, a movie poster for the one movie, Daddy Long Legs. Uh, and I read the description of that and I'm like, that sounds kind of neat. And so I checked that out and that movie is fantastic. Uh Maybe not fantastic. I'm being a little hyperbolic. Uh, it's really good. Uh, it's like a total uh, breath of fresh air from like watching up all these like pinky violence like '70s, uh, '80s movies I've been watching. It's like. It was uh, from two thousand nine, and it feels so much more live and relevant to like contemporary life. Uh, it's about this really like shitty dad who's a like film projectionist in New York City. Uh, he's got his kids uh, for in for his, with his custody deal with his ex wife. He's got his kids for a couple weeks, and it's just this story of this guy juggling um, being a father very poorly while also trying to live the life that he wants to live um it's like shady as fuck you read people's reviews and people complain a lot about like how they find this guy just unlikable like a real piece of shit and i mean that's totally up my alley i mean i'm okay with bad people um but yeah i thought this movie was really cool it's got some like nice touches of uh magic realism and um what else would I say? Uh yeah. There's like a point, like where I read some guy, somebody's letterbox review, uh, when I was watching this, and it said something about a mosquito scene, and I was like, what the hell are they talking about? I'm almost like done this whole movie, and there's been not one scene like like with a mosquito, and then there's a scene of the mosquito, and I was like, yeah, so what? But then later on, it's like, oh. That's that's uh, that's some some crazy stuff right there, and that mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. and that R J is what mm-hmm. elevates Daddy Long Legs uh, to being a, uh, a real highlight of my week. Um, how interesting! Fascinating, I know. <laughs> how, how interesting of a story for you to tell to us. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes, uh, and then I also watched uh, another one of these Safdie brothers movies called The Pleasure of Being Robbed, which was okay. It was mm, very much uh, beholden to like Robert Bresson movies, which will make sense maybe to you one more one day when you you actually see a Robert Bresson movie in the Criterion collection. Uh, <laughs> it's got one of the fakest ass looking polar bears I've ever seen. Nice. Yeah, I like stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched a couple more Burt Reynolds movies. Uh, Anything good? Uh, Hustle. Hustle was pretty good. Uh, it's a seventies like. Neo Noir with uh with shaved no mustache Burt Reynolds which is the best Burt Reynolds uh playing like a real like greasy piece of shit uh Los Angeles detective who's on this case mm-hmm. about this like dead twenty year old girl who uh, it is stressed in the film that uh her orifices were filled with semen when they found her Wait. dead drowned body, which orifices all of them, everyone even her ears. I I that they I, I guess so. Uh, And I believe at one point it's even stressed to her father that it was an an inordinate amount of semen, Uh, just like really driving home that she was fucking for money. And it's like, (laughs) sorry, keep going. (laughs) I just,
1: I, I I love the idea. It's like, listen, man, we pull (laughs) semen out from
0: bodies. All the time. time. And this one this is above this one really took the cake. above baby. average. Uh yeah. yeah. So this movie's greasy. <laughs> it's got like some uh it's got Ernest Borgnine uh as like oh, nice. this like total piece of shit, like police chief who's just dirty and corrupt and like doesn't give a fuck. Uh yeah. it's 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 good. It's it's a really uh good, solid little entry in the, the 70s uh new Noir kind of scene of like just like characters who don't give a shit. Uh, Mm -hmm. culture and society are just in the toilet uh, and these guys are just like the custodians of it they barely even flinch at this stuff anymore they couldn't understand why like oh yeah here's your dead daughter oh we didn't even put a fucking cloth over her here's her tits And, (laughs) and and then he gets punched in the face and they're like whoa I could lock you up buddy and I don't know this movie is like super greasy and it's like totally for me it's a Jared pick. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, my other uh, Burt Reynolds is a first time viewing uh, a movie called Smokey and the Bandit. Which Oh, you've never seen that? I had never seen Smoky and the Bandit at all. I remember weird. Like it seemed like Smokey and the Bandit 2 was always on TV. And I never watched it because I was like, What the hell is that about? I've never even seen number one. Yeah. So I just never watched it. Um this so Smokey and the Bandit, when this movie came out in nineteen seventy seven, uh it was the second highest grossing film of the year. Uh, it was second to hmm. Star Wars because smoking the bandit rj adjusted for inflation made 800 million dollars uh the year it came out damn yeah so i mean that's a, a lot of money uh for a yeah comedy. it is like that that's cr- nuts and uh so yeah this movie though so, it's a 70s comedy. We've talked about comedy being a thing that can be difficult to transcend uh-huh. time. Uh, Bert, uh-huh. This is a movie with Burt Reynolds with a mustache. So, immediately, he's, like, less likable. Um, and just, like, a ham yeah. and kind of cheeseball dude. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what you could say about this. It's fu- it's okay. Like, I'd, I mean, it's not for me. But it was, like, enjoyable yeah. enough. get like, the time, blasted by... Um, uh, Jackie Gleason, he's like the uh, the evil sheriff kind of thing, who's like mm-hmm. on the he's on he's chasing after Bandit, who's Burt Reynolds. They're trying to like mm-hmm. smuggle a Coors beer to an event because mm-hmm. they're being paid. They're gonna get paid like eighty thousand dollars to do it by these like nice. Southern Hicks that want to have a good time, and mm-hmm. so they're, it's them having to make get this beer to where it needs to be in time, uh, with Jerry Reed, his country singer buddy, who's just a guy that's in the movie uh yeah. and then sally field shows up in her butt uh what, what about her butt oh there's like shots of just her butt like, nice. and like her like leaning over and just like here's hey look at that ass and jerry nice. reed at one point goes hey look at the ass on that and uh so she's that's a character in the movie uh yeah, but yeah so jack but, gleason he's the evil sheriff he's trying to get this girl back to marry his like uh the polite way would be slow son uh and his slow oh. his who's the who's a deputy and this this guy playing the slow deputy he's awesome he is so fucking funny like his delivery mm-hmm. and like commitment to being slow and just like thick and just <laughs> always being a step behind everything else it's great it's mm-hmm. the re- redeeming quality of this whole movie um so it's there this is a, <laughs> this is dad times this movie yeah one last movie i'll mention uh, and then we'll move on Uh, uh, since it's, you know, it's coming up to October, it's, it's horror movie (gasps) season. I decided, Hey, before we get into that, and I've posted my like dice chart for 2017's horror movies, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to watch some of these like movies that didn't make the list, but I've, I've owned them on DVD and like, I just haven't watched them yet. So I'm going to start with a documentary on horror movies. It's called horror business came out in 2005. Mm -hmm. Uh, this, I just wound up with a copy of. I had heard, like, it sounded interesting. What it is, is it's a documentary uh, just, like, following around five uh, horror filmmakers, like, independent horror filmmakers, uh, in their, like, endeavors to, like, break into the business and be successful and make, and tell their stories. This documentary is super depressing um, in, in the sense that, like, these guys suck so bad. They are, like, just garbage filmmakers they have they're, yeah. they're not good at what they do they talk about their shit in the most cliched ways mm-hmm. like everything's like yeah i think horror can be art and it's like oh come on no one yeah. no one's having nice. this no one's having this argument like i don't know they're like just making crap like just total just unoriginal like shit. Yep. Yep. Podcasters. Um, yep. this was before podcasting. And, uh, so, or... so like the elder statesman figure of these like five guys they're interviewing is Mark Borchard, the star of the documentary American movie. Uh, which I'm assuming you've seen.
1: Yeah, man, that movie rules.
0: Yeah, so uh, this is about six years after American Movie had come out and uh, Mm -hmm. became like a critical darling and like kind of cult classic. Uh, And we find out that Mark Borchardt's in the exact same situation he was in six years prior. Nothing has gone any better. He's still, you know, drinking beer. He's on a new relationship. He's still got all these kids. He still makes shitty movies. It's just (laughs) the same old thing. It's just like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. And this guy's like, he seems to be like the most aware of his like lot in life and then these other yeah. four fucking losers like they're like uh edge lords they're like really mm-hmm. like the one guy who's got this like crucifix that's made of like giant dollar bills and like on it has a crucified like skeleton and he's just talking about his craft and film craft. And another guy, mm-hmm. he's talking about how he doesn't want to be the next Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg has nothing <laughs> to say. Uh, and this, this is a guy who's got, like, you know, posters, of, like, from Dust till dawn on his wall. And it's like, I don't want to be like, oh, a Hollywood mainstream, even though he does. He says, like, one of my favorite directors is Stanley Kubrick. He's my biggest influence. And then he's just making a movie. that's <laughs> yeah, just, like, bloody blood on tits and lesbian vampires and just mm-hmm. trash. So this really bummed me out. Um And, uh, that's like a really bad feeling to have watching a documentary. Uh, it's supposed to be like, I don't know, maybe like you watch something to hope that you walk away with a good feeling in your heart and you're like, yeah, I feel good about life today. Nope. Horror business just drug me right down. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: Well, some some documentaries make you feel bad, and that's okay
0: too. Yeah, usually they're like true crime, and there's like a real reason. This is just like I don't think that was the intent of this. And and on top of it, the documentary is like fairly poorly made with bad graphics and bad fonts and stuff like that. It very very poor. um, And. So that was sad. And on that low note, uh, I think that's it for creeping. Uh, Yes. I think the only news I want to mention is uh, the new still of, like, the guy playing Hellboy came out. Yeah. And it's more like Boy because that that boy is jacked to the gills. He looks good, man. Yeah. He is a buff guy. Uh, That's a
1: lot of prosthetics, maybe. Or maybe he's just super jacked. Uh, But, yeah, it looks good. He's got, like, long hair and his horns are kind of – they're a little different, and his hand is a little different. Like they look a little grittier. Yeah. But uh, more or less, his face is kind of the same. Except if, when you zoom in real close, he's kind of got like a Mongoloid thing, like real like bra- uh, pushed out I- eyebrows, like a sagittal crest,
0: and like a real like nose bridge. It's nice. Wow, you sound like uh, a, you sound like a real pr- uh, phrenologist there.
1: Yeah, I love heads, man. Um, I was gonna say uh, this isn't my news, but since you brought up Hellboy, uh, you know how you said that stuff with Ed Skrin was fabricated, yep. and then they they uh, hired that actor. I think it's Daniel Day Kim from yep. Lost.
0: Yeah, they they, they uh, hired the uh, Korean man to play a, a Japanese yeah. man.
1: Is it is that not more racist that instead of whitewashing, they hire a different like Asian? someone from a different Asian country to play a jet.
2: Like,
0: isn't that more racist? They're all the same. Uh, it, it also illustrates like, wait, so actually hiring a white guy is actually more accurate to playing a half yeah. white, half Japanese guy than ha- hiring a Korean guy. Like <laughs> Korean guy to play it. But they all yeah. look the same to me. Am I right? Yeah. I also said, some, I saw, I saw some headline about him saying like, Oh, it's grinds a great guy. And I'm like, I bet he is. Sure. You got a job out of it. Sure god
1: well i i thought of you when i saw that but yeah that picture looks swole man (coughs) i'm excited yeah you want to hear my news go for it it's really funny it'll be brief uh (laughs) this was a headline i i read today not even john landis wants his son max to remake an american werewolf in london uh so people will
0: you know what maybe we should just leave it right there yeah okay what 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 more what more can be said nothing nothing more we're coming for you max (laughs) toby hooper george romero you're next buddy oh oh, right (laughs) all right uh hey after the break we're going to actually talk about a criterion movie (laughs) what what's that uh yeah it's only been like an hour and fucking 35 minutes it's great nice excellent (laughs) okay after the break we'll be talking about that ren clarem thing nice
2: do the laundry I'll come by on my
0: And tonight, finally, we're talking about *La Million from 1931, directed by René Clare. A synopsis from Letterboxd, and the tagline for this film, You must see it to know how indescribably clever and enormously smart, in quotation marks, (laughs) a movie can be. Who wrote that? (laughs) Uh, Some guy from the 30s. Nice. uh, Debt-written painter, Michel is overcome with joy at discovering that he has just won one million florins in the dutch lottery but almost immediately he discovers that his soft-hearted girlfriend beatrice has given away his jacket containing the winning ticket to an elderly petty thief soon uh Michel, michelle whatever beatrice and Michel's artistic rival prosper are hurling through the streets of paris on the trail of the missing jacket so, this is a movie uh, I knew nothing about going in, uh, as mentioned last yep. week. Didn't know anything about it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not even really familiar with Rene Clare as a director. Uh, he's got, like, a couple other movies uh, in the Criterion Collection. Uh, yep. Like, one called uh, Married a Witch, stuff like that. But uh, he seems like a guy that, uh, if he was ever, like, really in favor in, like, mm-hmm. the, the movie circles, uh, it's definitely Fallen. Um, but it's like crazy, like you read the essay for this movie and like the guy mentions like his name in the same breath as like Fellini, Bergman, Chaplin, Kurosawa, no, Antioch, Hitchcock, and Rene and I'm like, mm, I don't know if that's true. Um, yeah. Because even like the presentation of this particular uh, Criterion DVD is like bare bones. Like it's, yeah. it's still on DVD only. Uh, it doesn't have much of like a fanfare at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, so watch this. And I thought... What a nice movie this is. Yeah. Is that the, the word you're going to use? It's nice. It's a nice movie. Yep. Um, Would you say fun? Mm, it's a jaunt. It's, ta- yeah. it's a it's a jaunty movie. Um, yeah, yeah. Continue. Okay. So, I mean, like, I watched this movie. I didn't really even mm-hmm. wind up taking notes watching this because there's, like, yep. not, what can you say about, essentially, it's, it's a romantic comedy. Um, mm-hmm. Though... I feel like this sort of movie is, like, generic enough that, like, you don't have to have, like, a particular taste in comedy to, like, find this movie charming. Um, right. It's sort of like... I don't know. I, I could see some old people being like that movie is so hysterical. I died laughing like back in the 30s, yeah. but like now it's just kind of like oh, <laughs> it's so quaint. It's so mm-hmm. like oh look look at them. They're they're all chasing one another through corridors and they're going mm-hmm. one through one door and through another and it's just like oh look at that. Look look at how simple t- the, the old days yeah. were. Uh, but that being said too, I, I've seen some like pretty amazing like short films like some like Laurel and Hardy stuff um Mm -hmm. and like some like there's like some early Chaplin shorts and Buster Keaton etc etc all the all the classic guys and some of that stuff is like really good like you watch like Laurel and Hardy's like music box that that is like pretty fucking funny uh there's like Mm -hmm. nothing in here that's that funny considering it's a comedy um it's a musical too which is also Mm -hmm. like oh good god no for me um because sometimes (laughs) it's like I just like zone out during musicals for the most part um and I, I thought it was funny watching this movie following on the heels of the Magic Flute, which was a movie like entirely yeah. about an opera. This movie is like one of its major set pieces is an opera. Uh, and the one big scene involving like an opera with like the two characters sitting in the background just hanging out is like mm-hmm. a, a fantastic scene that I actually liked a lot. And like thought that was really good. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, the movie pretty well is exactly as it's described. Uh, it's just about mm-hmm. a guy who, like, I guess, like, we're supposed to be, like, in his corner because he, like, owes people money all over town. And, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. he's, like, I guess engaged to this girl or like, he's, like, in a mm-hmm. relationship with her. But, like, he has no problems, like, wanting to mac on this, like, other blonde floozy who just throws him, herself at him because he's painting yeah. her portrait. And, like, okay, I guess like knowing a little bit about art world stuff, I guess there's like this idea that like him and his like painting partner are sharing Mm the studio and like, while they're working, one does like the housework pretending to be their like housekeeper. And then they Mm -hmm. switch when like they're running a, like an angle, but they don't really make this clear in the movie. Um, Right. And yeah, so this guy's kind of like a piece of crap, but he's like, not like a bad mean spirited person. He just doesn't think that, I have to pay you back. Um. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I
1: saw that as he was a piece of shit and he was a bum. And he was like, he's like, you people and your penny pinching. It's like, nah, dude, you got to pay your bills, man. You can't just be a vagabond going around not paying your bills. You got to pay your rent. He's hitting up all the floozies on the side. He's like, or the girl's like, who's that? He's like, that was my fiance. Don't worry about her, babe like never never mind that i know what you were saying but like the whole time i was watching i was like this guy's not likable at all he's like he won't pay his bills he sleeps around and he's kind of a prick (laughs) and not in like the walter white breaking bad way where it's just like it's like ooh, he's a um what's the fucking word for that again you know what i mean
0: well, when you root for the bad guy? Well, RJ, anti-hero. Uh, you might remember uh during our creep when I was talking about Daddy Long Legs in depth and uh it, that great I definitely s- remember that that, 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 conversation. Great, that great uh Safdie film. Uh, Mm -hmm. And like how one of the common complaints with that movie is like how utterly detestable and unlikable the main character in that is. And like it works there because like this guy, like he goes all out and like the movie is not sympathetic to his plights. Like he is just like Mm -hmm. a piece of shit and you're like, there's like a squirm factor of like watching this guy be a bad person. And you're like, oh God, oh my God, he just drugged those children. Fuck, why is he doing this? (laughs) And like, and here he's like, Oh, he's like not a—he's a kind of a lovable piece of shit, right? He's kind of like—I mm, don't know if it's like—I'm not really rooting for him. And I mean, the the biggest—the yeah. the, okay—the big thing that like is weird about this movie is it tells you right in the first like two minutes that everything mm-hmm. works out fine in the end. Yeah, it does. So, <laughs> so,
1: so what Jared's saying is like the way this movie starts is there's, like, this big barn dance, basically, in this, like, uh, this house. And two guys look it, in the window, yeah, and they're it, like... okay.
0: It Technically, it opens up with this really cool, like, uh, like overhead shot of, like, a constructed Paris. And it's really it, nice looking. It, 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 it
1: rem- Yeah, it reminded me of Caligari, like, German expressionist, or and, whatever and, the uh, fuck that and, is. And,
0: and, and Henry V. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah, it's got this really nice opening, and then it, like, goes cuts across the plane and it shows all these roofs and then it's like like i said it's like a barn dance there's like this huge house and all these people are dancing and two guys just jump on the roof and they look in the window and they're like hey what are you dancing about and then this old guy with the mustache comes out and slaps his knee and he's like let me tell you, son <laughs> yeah. if you can stand to hear it mm-hmm. uh-huh. and then it like plays out and then i actually thought like it plays out where he tells the story and then at the end he gets the money and you're like, okay, cool. And then they have the dance and then you see the guys in the window again. And I, for a minute I was like, Oh my God, is this like a weird cyclical film that like <laughs> is repeated forever? I was like, what is this? Like in goes on forever repeating itself. Kind of
2: mm-hmm.
1: like, you know what I mean? I thought that was going to happen, but then it didn't. I was like, you don't got no balls. 1932. Renee Claire, if that's your real name. That's the movie I would have made. hmm Yeah. So I, I didn't realize that, I guess. I should have. Um, <laughs> but I just didn't, like, care that much.
0: So I guess I didn't piece it together. <laughs> you weren't paying attention?
1: I, I haven't even talked about what I thought about this movie. So
0: No, I know. I don't know if
1: you want to. You keep going, no, and then I'll come uh, in You know, you, yeah, you can go ahead. Okay. Um, this movie is fine. Uh, it has some parts that, like, I smirked at, and I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. Like, um... When the guys are, it's like really tongue in cheek, the two guys to each other. He's like, hey, why don't you leave us alone, pal? And the other guy's like, shut up. (laughs) That's all they say to each other. And I thought that was really funny. Um, They also have some awesome uh, one-liners in here. Like, uh, I wrote this down as a quote. They're awful people, these artists. Mm -hmm. And that made me think of you. And I was like, how true, how true um no there's like there's like some funny banter between some of the characters and i don't find them uh i don't find the music like off-putting i don't mind musicals i think that's pretty good too and right uh like it's playful and it's it's a fun enough story but uh i never really cared um it's not because it's an old movie and like you you expect it to kind of turn out in the end um i actually i really didn't like the guy i thought he was a fucking asshole because it's like i said he doesn't pay his bills and he sleeps around town and he's just mean and he's like entitled and i was like i don't like this guy he's like the max landis of 1930s uh painter renaissance or whatever um and it wasn't just that i mean he's not
0: that talented though
1: No, he's not... Oh, yeah. People don't like original content anymore. That's the only reason that people don't like it, you know? Um, No, there's... There's a few... Like, it's like I said, there's stuff I like. Like, I think there's cool banter. Uh, I like the opera scene where they're fighting over the jacket. I thought that was cool. And I swear there's a scene where it cuts to like people in a box at the opera and one guy pick, uh, he's like laughing and then on his fingers is a mustache and he presses it to his lips and he sticks a mustache on his face. And like, I swear that happens. I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's nothing bad about this movie and I don't think it's that it's old or dated because that's, that doesn't really bother me. Like we talked about that before just cause a movie's old doesn't mean it's not good uh there's just i don't know there was nothing there was never anything about it that made me kind of be like oh yeah or wow um i understand why it's in the criterion collection because it's an old fucking movie and i guess (laughs) it was probably a big deal then so uh i think it fits that criteria i guess but uh Mm -hmm. i don't know man i was like
0: it's there i'm never gonna watch it again yeah i I, it's a it's an odd little movie that like exists yeah. in the collection at this point um I don't know like okay. I said I think I liked it more than you did just cause I thought it was like like pretty inoffensive uh yeah I, yeah, I, it I, is. I, I also like I really didn't like magic flute uh i know i can't, I can't, I... I, I can't stress that enough i that mm-hmm. movie like really just like
1: is that not the the very lowest movie of your ranking list so far my, my secret ranking list yeah your secret, i
0: think, I, think yeah. I have it as my like i did not like that um just because it's just like totally uncinematic uh right. having watched like i mean like i enjoy watching pre-code Hollywood movies. And uh, this, I just, I I thought it, I liked it. Uh, the, the woman who played Beatrice, uh, the love interest, uh, Annabella, I thought she was really awesome in this. Like, I yep. thought she was, like, really good, like, super sympathetic. And, like, she was, like, a good person in this uh, who's trying to, like, I guess, like, hook... Uh, th- th- uh, maybe she doesn't have the best... Choice in men because she's trying to like hang out with uh her old um uh Mich- Mich- Michel, uh, Buflet, Mich- Michel? Buflet, Buflet. and then uh and then her, her his buddy Prosper he doesn't even have a last name he's just that kind of guy Prosper so that's a bad dude name mm-hmm. Some, like from like a X Men movie or something um yeah so, yeah, so I was reading a little bit about the movie. This was, uh, Renee Claire's second sound movie. Um, but I, I mean, it's really weird. Cause like watching this, like the best parts of the movie were actually when he was just going back to being like a silent filmmaker and like not having characters actually talking and he just had music over kind of the action and they're not even talking. They're just like mm-hmm. mouthing their words and like, you can follow the action just fine. Um which actually I think was, like, the best parts of the movie when he just went into silent mode, mo- silent yeah. movie mode. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was good. And like I said, like, I really, really liked the the opera scene with uh, uh, Beatrice and uh, Michael because yeah. it's just, like, this really sweet thing with, like, the, the flowers coming the flowers. down and sort of yeah. in sync with the whole sequence up front. I thought it was, like, a real, like, very uh, La La Land-esque. Um, yeah. No, yeah, that
1: that scene is really good. And I think I know another reason why you really like this. What you mentioned earlier, you're a fan of that Laurel and Hardy and Buster Keaton. I, I feel like there's some humor like that in this where, as you said, guys running from this room to that room. And it's like, oh, and their ties, their bow ties are spinning.
0: Yeah, because uh, you're,
1: remember, you're that. at heart. You're an 80 year old man. And I think you love that kind of stuff. So yeah. uh, I, I thought you would like this, actually. Yeah. Um, And it's like nice. I don't dislike it. I just like. Yeah. Whatever, I'm not, I'm never going to watch it, it again. It was fine.
0: Indifferent.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm indifferent. I'm i neither,
0: neither for nor against it. I just don't care that much. Right. Um, yeah, there's yeah. like uh, other things I guess I could mention would be like the filmmaking at times is a bit rough. But, I mean, mm-hmm. it's also 1931. Um, I'm not sure what sort of resources, like, the French, like, movie industry had. Uh right. and, and Especially for making, like, a cheap little comedy that's like, hey, we're filming this in, like, two rooms and in, in a hallway. And then we're going to have, like, this mm-hmm. opera scene. Uh, and that's about it for stuff. And then there's, like, the backstage stuff, which, like, you could... It's, like, cheap, cheap stuff um, to do. Mm-hmm. The I don't know. I thought there was, like the, the, there's, like, the funny gag of, like, oh, the jacket, it keeps changing people's hands and like each time it changes hands yeah. the guy who takes it says oh I'm at this location and <laughs> it's like oh yeah oh, in case you ever need to find me yeah. uh, I'm an <laughs>
1: opera singer and uh, I perform nightly at the Belmont yeah. it's like why would I need to know
0: that it's like, well just in case you ever need to know you know then like, of course the, the gag too is like when that information's needed it's like oh I don't remember what they said and it's like it, yeah that's actually it's cool. pretty that's pretty realistic like seriously if someone told you that and like you like, yeah. it's, it's just some guy and then, like, you had to, like, recall that information. You'd probably be like, "Uh, I really don't remember. Like, I like, because no one actually pays attention yeah. to those conversations. Unless they like, leave you their card. And then it becomes mm-hmm. an important clue later on. And so at least they didn't go down that route. And it was, like, kind of weird little, like, ways that people do remember this stuff. Um mm-hmm. Again, like, uh, the police are, uh, they have, like, a big musical number. <laughs> uh, yes, they do. Crack- Cracking heads. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's just a, I don't know. It's its definitely, it's a comedy. It's uh, a movie. It's a movie. Things, scenes occur yeah. for the most part. Uh, Yeah, and it's, and it's short. It's like actually. Yeah, it's like, 80 minutes, which is very nice. Yeah. Refreshing. In this modern era of like, I don't know, watching Stephen King movies like <laughs> every day and mm-hmm. Wes Anderson movies. Yeah, it's nice to have a, a short little thing.
1: A short little thing just like me.
0: Yep. Yeah. I was gonna
1: say, uh, you're talking about conversations people have where they say stuff and you don't remember like where they work and stuff. You I think you talk about like every week where you work and I still have no idea. Whenever anyone asks, it's like where's that guy working? It's like I don't fucking know.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, at least I, I don't know, know who that guy is. RJ, at least I have a job.
1: I have a job, friend. <laughs> yeah. You come yeah. out, I'll show you some cows one day. <laughs> That's not
0: real work. What? We're working at this pleasure palace, hanging out with cows.
1: Pleasure palace. Oh, my God. I don't think you know what goes on there. Uh, One day you'll come out and you'll see and you won't eat meat anymore.
0: But I love meat. Um, Exactly. So what else would I mention about this movie? Uh, I like the look of this movie. It has this, like, low-key kind of atmosphere that's, like, Inadvertent. I don't think it was like I think I want my movie to definitely look like this. I think it's just like the way that they shot it and like smaller budget, age of the movie. It just has like a real nice um, atmosphere that kind of emerges from it. Uh, it's kind of like in that weird era but in between World War One and World War Two, before utter devastation and. Uh, things got torn down and blown up real good and occupation by Nazis. Cause this is another movie. It's like, oh yeah, this is a movie before Nazis roll through, uh, Paris and mm-hmm. things become less jaunty and fun. Yeah. They were fun
1: then too. It's just, no one remembers that. <laughs> All right. I'm sure there was someone having fun at that time. Yeah. When they weren't starving to death in like the camps.
0: Yeah. Yeah. just generally being occupied, being shot for no reason. Yeah, mm-hmm. good times. Oh, so <laughs> from the Criterion essay written by one uh, Elliot Stein, who threw uh, <clears throat> Renee Clair's name in with there with Fellini, Bergman, Chaplin, etc. Uh, yeah, because this is like all there is to really talk about with this th- movie, because there's not much about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Even the Wikipedia is very underwhelming. For many years, hmm. René Clair was ranked with Jean Renoir and Marcel Carnet as one of France's greatest directors. He was arguably the most archetypical French of the three. His early sound films, especially La Lemillion, influenced filmmakers everywhere. Uh, and then there's a bunch of movies that they claim were influenced by it, like The Marx Brothers, Night at the Opera, um, mm-hmm. which, like, I don't know, like... The Marx Brothers were like in total full swing when this was made, so I don't know if that was there. Chaplin's mm-hmm. Modern Times, uh, I, I don't know. René Claire seems like he's a guy making comedies, light comedies, and now he's in, the cri- <laughs> he's in the Criterion Collection by George. For some reason. See, it even concludes, Well, a good deal of European cinema. The 1930s has not stood the test of time. Lemillion hasn't aged a bit. Seeing it today, what? nearly seventy years after its release, and this is the year two thousand when it was written, one still cannot help feel exhilarated by its sheer audacity and grace. Come on. Yeah. What? Sometimes it's fun reading these essays and you go, hmm. One thing that I want to point Jeez. out too is the uh, the downside of winning the lottery. There's like all sorts oh, of yeah. there's all sorts of articles on Google like Powerball, how winning the lottery makes you miserable. Mm -hmm. 13 things lottery lottery winners won't tell you. Five reasons you don't really want to win the lottery. What becomes of lottery winners? Lottery horror stories. (sighs) Winning the lottery is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Winning the lottery is a bad thing, and this is why. It's all, And it's all from reputable Ugh. websites like CelebrityNetWorth.com. <laughs> Jesus. And uh, Huffington Post. <laughs> and, oh, wait. Oh, the Huff, eh? Credit, CreditCards.com. Oh, I wonder
1: what they're all about. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, give them your social insurance so that you can access the site's uh, finer details. Yeah, you can sign they up. They just want to verify that you're not a robot. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, RJ, Jeez. there's a, a couple people here that uh, they don't even really hate this movie. They're just kind of like, okay, kinda like me. Yeah, there's a there's a two star review that just says, yeah, okay.
2: Uh, <laughs> nice.
0: There's a uh, here Ross Bonane. two and a half mm-hmm. stars. Cr- Criterion spine number seventy two. <gasps> I blame myself for setting high expectations for Lemillion the criterion description for Lemillion mentions it was a huge influence of Charles Chaplin and the Marx brothers. And while I can see some of that, I do not agree much of what Lemillion Mm. does had already been done far better by Chaplin and the Marx brothers by 1931. Hey, I just was saying this as one of my friends on letterbox explained, it is a comedy of errors. I saw the errors, but not the comedy. Uh, uh, uh,
2: I did, I did not
0: say that. Uh, because yeah, of this, well, you're not a dink. <laughs> because of this, I didn't really care about the story being told, as it always felt like there was something missing. I had no desire to know how the story turned out, and I actually hoped the film ending ended on a disappointment for the main character. I was given hmm. no reason to want him to win, and I thought the film would be far more interesting if he failed after his lies and deceptions. So that's the thing, though, is the movie like tells you it's all going to work out okay really it's kind of weird yeah weird I, yeah i weird, guess a weird yeah. choice i mean the movie, the movie might have dramatically played out a little bit differently if you didn't know that everything was ha- everyone was happy at the end of the story yeah well it's like i said
1: i saw that i saw that and i didn't pay enough attention or care it's enough like, to it's like imagine you
0: like it's a wonderful life and like being like oh everything works out okay And then you watch the Uh. rest of the movie rather than ends on this like dour note of like, oh, this guy's going to fucking kill himself. And then it's like, Mm. shit, how did we get to that point? And then the story continues on rather than like, hey, it's all good. Now we're going to spend two and a half hours explaining why it's all good. Uh. Uh, Calavante, two and (gasps) a half stars for Lamillion. million. Lemillion contains an idea similar to that one extensively developed in the Million Pound n- Note from 1954, but it employs it for the ir- irrelevant purposes. Uh, After for irrelevant purposes. After a couple of scenes meant to sketch silly affairs, a man who is always unable to pay his bills becomes known as the millionaire after winning the lottery. This earns him the praise and support of his fellow building inhabitants and the animosity of the ones who appear to be a close friend. However, the contrast of treatment is not what the film chooses to focus on and instead embarks from the first minute on a settled comedy format. This is some hmm. weird writing. This seems like, it, was like it sounds translated or something. Um, hmm. There's there's a lot of running around, some dialogues turned into songs. My difficulties to enjoy musical parts seem to persist regardless of the decade the material is from, <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> and, a, and a lots of mostly physical gags. But it's not until the second half of the movie that any of it begins to be funny. When two characters sneak into the stage during the opera, the comedy seems to be merged with the surroundings intelligently for the first time, in this occasion by overlapping the characters' unheard feelings with the singing. So that's the scene I think I was talking about that I really liked. From that moment onwards, the occurrences appear to be more fortunate, not for the characters generally, and the film begins to add some cleverness to the execution of its humor. It becomes capable of grasping attention, even if rather late. What? Can you repeat that all for I think, me, please? I think it's, it's all pretty plain. I think it. I think it speaks for itself. It's.
1: It has. Uh. It has multitudes. Hey, is that what you'd say?
0: Uh. Yeah. It has multitudes. Hey, what's that guy's favorite films? Well, I'd have to look that up. Jeez. Well, I thought you took this thing seriously. I don't, RJ. I really don't. Uh, I wanted to know more
1: about this guy,
0: but you let me down. No, I got, I gotta, I got to find out. I, I, can't, I can't leave us on a cliffhanger here.
1: You just, you just let me down. You let you down,
0: and uh, you know. Give me a minute here. I, I honestly like. I just saw like a big block of text, <laughs> and I went, "Ah, oh, that guy seems like he has a lot of opinions. Let's check it out." Yeah. And I said, "Wait a minute. What? Wait a minute. What is this? What is this? What is this?" <laughs> Um. Uh, wow. Actually, one guy that like usually hates everything. He gave this mm-hmm. like three and a half stars. Punk. I don't know if you've seen that guy. He watches a lot of movies. He's crazy. I don't know. It's like P U N Q. That guy watches movies like mm. all the time. He fucks. He fucks those movies. That guy fucks. So uh, Calavente, um, has two follower or follows two people. Three followers. Two mm-hmm. following. Uh. Is still active. Um, Hmm. Favorite? No, they have no favorite movies. Whoa. What is he, like, some kind of, like, abstract artist? Mm, Well, I can tell you what they've given five stars.
1: Yeah, just read the first
0: four. Okay, they're the most recent. They've only given one movie five stars ever. (gasps)
1: Okay, well, let's just say that's his favorite, then.
0: The Sting. The Sting? I don't even know what that is. Really? The yeah. na, 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 na. four and a half stars they gave The Hours, okay, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, nice, and Whiplash, nice. Yeah. Okay, this guy's not bad, yeah.
1: So never, he seems like a cool so you, dude, you, or whoever this person is, seems like a cool dude, you've or never, so you've dude never, or
0: dudette. You've never heard of the Sting, huh? Of Paul Newman, is that, Robert Redford, prohibition, like musical comedy thing,
1: yeah. I was gonna say, isn't uh. Yeah, no, I I think I know what this thing is. I've never seen it. That's okay. for sure.
0: It's okay. It's fine. Anyway, uh, I don't know. I got nothing else to really to say about this movie. I liked it just okay. It's good ish. Yep. Uh, you were just kind of like indifferent. I thought it was fine. Maybe you'll never watch it again. Nope. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Yep. Every, everyone's fine. That's what you. Mm-hmm. That's what you've spent two hours listening to, folks. Everything's fine. fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, After the break uh, I'm going to borrow some money from RJ To, I don't know Live a more comfortable lifestyle And I have no intention whatsoever to pay him off Until I win the lottery Joke's on you because I have all your credit cards already Oh no Damn it, I shouldn't have signed up to (laughs) (laughs) creditcard.com Nice in life for free, but you can give them to the birds and bees, I want money, that's what I want,
2: that's what I want, that's what I want, your love gives me such a thrill. So
0: RJ, when you win the and it my makes my you miserable, skills, what I will be the first thing you spend money that money on? on? Probably butts.
1: Maybe dumps. No.
0: Were you expecting I, something else? That's I, like the only thing I say to anything. You know, I guess I <laughs> I have no one to blame but myself. <sighs> you can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com. I'll read, will I, I will make fun of you. I will, <laughs> yeah. I will intentionally mispronounce your last name because it's funny. Mm-hmm. And you can email us about how butts and dumps aren't funny. And it's Jared's fault for expecting anything more from RJ. It's on me. Yep. Uh, you can, we've got a Facebook page. You can like that. Uh, we post some stuff on there sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, yep. not, not often. Uh, we're on Instagram though. And we use that sometimes as well. Uh, we're on the letterbox. And uh, you can search us as, actually if you search Barnwolf, uh, we both pop up. So that's what the yeah, fuck? and I'm Jared, and he's Barnloaf, whatever that is. Uh, yeah. wrong, hey, what?
1: Y- can I tell you something?
0: No. I've been using the Bar- Barnloaf
1: alias for a long time, yep. and I've never had a problem with it. Like no one ever has used that before. Uh, so my friends have been trying to get me to go on the Snapchat for a long time. Yep. And I looked it up, and someone had the username as Barnloaf, and I there's no way that person came up with that on the, yep. on their own.
0: I Think you got hacked?
1: I have it as emails. I have it as it, Twitter, Instagram, fucking everything. That fucker ripped me off.
0: We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, <laughs> iTunes, all those third parties. Uh, uh-huh. I think it's been a while since we got a review, so maybe someone could throw us a bone, you know? it would be nice. is this one of those. Get, us, get yeah. us up there. I haven't checked to see when when we get searched uh, if we've uh, overtaken the Criterionist. That guy. I gonna hope so. Have we so. passed him yet? Oh, yeah. We passed him a while ago. He, he dropped nice. off after the Yojimbo uh, Sanjiro. Um, oh, what a chump. Yeah. Hey, and guess what? We're just going to keep on going. Next week, Spines 73 and 74, we're in Doubleheader Town again. And it's French doubleheader town. So it's like a villa or something. Sure. Uh, how do you feel about Agnes Varda, RJ? Is that some kind of salsa? Uh, it's some sort of, like, I don't know, butter you put on your French bread. Oh, shit. I'm we've, in with that. Well, we've got a taste of French New Wave and a piece of 80s French cinema. Uh, we get a taste of her 60s output. Uh, Cleo from 5... Seven? Nine to seven? What five Nine to seven? Five to Come seven. Come on. And uh and the Vagabond. Mm-hmm. I watched one of those movies not that long ago. It was okay. Hmm. And uh, Vagabond I've never seen. And uh apparently it's a real classic. Is it though? I don't know my white centrist friend. Hey. It's only okay when I say that. But we're definitely not watching David Lean's brief encounter next week. Oh, for sure. I don't know why anyone would think we would be. I don't know what kind of moron would think that. (laughs) Well,
1: someone who doesn't take this very seriously. Clearly. Clearly. Well, good
0: night, folks. It's been real. hmm